previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. Nick, you're usually host on these podcasts, but you've got a bit of a cheat coming on this, haven't you? I mean, you say you're a fan, but really, you're no fuck all. Now, many would argue, George, that you were moonlighting over here on this show. What are you doing here? Can we open up Notepad? So <laughs> you are the master of the mobile versions, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's paid dividends to have that knowledge. What about the the smell virus when Spencer buckles his pants? I like to spread myself as widely as I can. No, uh, no, I just realised. I just And welcome to episode 29 of the Project Umbrella podcast, embarking on a sinister plan to transfer the thoughts of Newsbot into every human on the planet, and now causing riots in the face of democracy. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, and let's look at who's joining us on the panel today. He's closer to Bruce Jenner than Bruce Wayne, it's Batman. <laughs> Is this going to be a regular <laughs> piss-taking new, new I t- I, Yes, it will be, it will be. Good evening. <laughs> Out comes the sun, out comes his black speedos, it's Star's Tyrant. What? <laughs> Hello. He's more New Zealand than a newborn lamb eating a kiwi fruit in Hobbiton, it's Rombie. <laughs> Hello. Wondering if any other of his children get the wrong idea from the film Face Off, it's George Trevor. Hi there. And still baffled as to why I am a god campaign fell on deaf ears with the British electorate, it's Mr. Spencer. Hello there. Coming up on today's show, we'll be looking at all the latest news. There's a bit of news since our last uh, Biohazard Stars episode. A bit of gaming news and a small tidbit from Project Umbrella as well. We will then be looking at Revelations 2 in a bit more detail, probably looking more of its legacy because Batman did such an excellent job with the other podcasters last time uh, in the episodic released podcasts. Uh, we are also then finishing off with the usual Neptune's Biohazard Quiz, which will be the standard format, nothing on the scale of last week. So, without further ado, we can then move over to the news. So the first bit of news is sales figures news. Oh yes, always exciting. Capcom have shipped 1.1 million copies of Revelations 2. Not bad, not bad, folks. I think it's excellent. I think it's it's very promising. Zero is a certainty now, isn't it? I mean, we already have had the leaked uh, images and whatnot, but I mean, it's a certainty. I don't know whether that will sell as well, though. I don't think we have been released yet. The, the breakdown of the 1.1 million, do we? Uh, as to how how much sold on PS3, PC, PS4. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting to know, actually. Because, I mean, it was quite cheap. The disc release was quite cheap. Only like 23 quid brand new. Which is quite good, and I wonder how many people did take up the episodic options generally. I think it's got um, a lot of a lot of praise. At least the uh, there's been a lot of positive feedback on releasing them episodically. Yeah, I was surprised by that, and I read I don't know if you'll come on to it. There was a brilliant 
um, interview I thought was it Reeve who did an interview yes um, because I really liked the questions that they asked were really good really got to the heart of the you know the the, the, the gameplay with regard to what's going on with Alex and the, and the mind transfer and and also the, the you know questions we've all had about the color of the bracelets and you know what w- what it meant in terms of whether Moira was overcome by the virus or not but one of the questions yeah one of the things that came up that developer said was that they've had a fantastic response to the mm. episode I don't I'm surprised by that I think that this is the general gaming climate is changing is it and people are more receptive to piecemeal products i was going to say i think the, the big difference was the fact that they set a schedule and they stuck to it and i think that's a big difference i mean there has been debate we've had debate whether or not one week was too short or if they should have made it every fortnight or whatever but at least the fact they had a schedule seems to be well received because obviously so many of these episodic games they say it's going to be in four or five parts and they don't have like much of a release schedule they might know when the first episode is going to come out and then the next one's going to be in the next I, couple of months and that sort of response doesn't seem to be so well whereas a lot of the reviews and comments I read about this the way they did this was the right way to do it and that they had the whole game they slated a schedule and stuck to it yeah I, I agree with that because it was it was very well organised wasn't it it was kind of like almost it, the whole month was themed on revelations and you know you knew exactly when you were getting each episode I, I didn't know it, was, it can be that ad, that ad hoc with other games yeah I think there's some few games isn't there um, I, can't, I can't remember then it's you know we've been, we've been waiting years for the next episode. Half-Life's probably the worst. What happened with Half-Life? Well, they did Half-Life 2, then they did Episode 1, or whatever it's called, I can't remember right now, and then it's been it. There hasn't been another episode or Half-Life 3, and it's been, what, 11, 12 years now? (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. We also have some updated sales figures from other recently released Resident Evil games. So Revelations 1 has increased by 100,000 to 1.4 million. Which I don't think is too bad. Is that all it is? 1.4 million? Yeah, 1.4 mil. This is HD version, isn't it? Not. I've only got a revelation. Yeah, I mean, that's to me pretty poor for, you know, I don't know, for what, one of Capcom's. Well, it's not a main game, but it, but it, it's um, for a title with quite a lot of promotion and, and it is up there. Just, worldwide, just barely over a million seems pretty poor, no? I, well, I don't know, I mean, main 3DS title, you're not going to get the sales figures are never going to be through the roof, are they? I just want to know if it is actually every version yeah, yeah. the HD yeah. version. And it, these are shipped, not sold, ah. per se, aren't they? I yes, think, as well. yes, you're right. Resident Evil 5 is up to 6.8 mil, which is the number one selling Resident Evil game, as we found out last week. Uh, Resident Evil 6, hot on its heels, quite worryingly. Jesus. 6.2 <laughs> million shipped. So um, perhaps we haven't seen the end of Mazda MX-5s through China. The, the thing about it as well, I think a lot of these digital sales, both 5, five and 6, are probably adding to it because 5 and 6, quite often, they've been frequently on sale quite a bit, or the bundles have been on sale. Like uh, just a few weeks ago, the, in all the PAL territories for the PlayStation Store, like most of the Resident Evil games were put on sale for quite a massive discount, actually, including the massive bundles. They went down to about a third of the price almost. Oh, yeah, 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 that's probably had quite a huge effect. Do you know, I still haven't done Ada's mission yet in Resident Evil 6. I think I, I, think I gave up by the time I did jokes. Yeah. I, was, I can't, I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you, I, I've not even completed the main game. Uh, <laughs> but again, because I just, I couldn't face anymore, I just, yeah, I gave up. <laughs> Biohazard HD remaster sells over a million. That's right, because they put up those wallpapers, didn't they, to celebrate. That's bloody good, that. For a 13-year-old game. Yeah, yeah. And as we discussed about Revelations 1, which you know, what just went over that, 
and that would have cost them a lot more to reproduce in that time. It will be very interesting to see how uh, Zero compares when it eventually does come out. It would all depend on how that breakdown of those over a million sales of the HD version of the remake were, like how many people hadn't played it before as to how many people have played it before and yeah, played it again. Yeah, I'd be really interested to know the demographic in terms of if it was just like hardcore fans, you know, going back to their roots and It'll be interesting to know how many were, were new fans coming to the series for the first time that are then going to want to see the series progress in that direction. Exactly. I think a lot of the fans will either have a fond memory of Zero or not. I think it's far more divisive than Remake. And for people to actually part with their money to purchase the game again, mm. if they you know used to own it and got but, rid of it, that's going to be the killer for them. Apart from the obviously the carp system, is it the gameplay that's so divisive, and is it isn't it more kind of for the hardcore fans that are interested in the story and the narrative? That was very much the letdown, I think, for a lot of us. Uh, you know, a lot of the people that would be using sites like Project Umbrella were very let down by you know the storytelling and and the story that it didn't you know that it didn't tell, uh, as opposed to the gameplay so much. I wasn't particularly disappointed by the gameplay. The partner swapping all the inventory and inventory was just a mess for me. The amount of backtracking you have to do. As a result of it, it's just nonsense. Because you would inevitably turn like the main hall into your item room. Into a hub, yeah. So, so almost, yeah. You might as well have had to had a, an item box in in there in the first place. Exactly. The the thing about the the plot as well, I guess, it's like me, I haven't played Zero for guessing almost a decade at least. Then I might go back to it and actually realise it wasn't as bad plot wise as I think by comparison in the, in the frame of hindsight and how this franchise has moved on since. It just might have been after the expectations put upon it in 2003, after remake and waiting and waiting and waiting for new games to come out. I think the saviour of all Resident Evil games, that is Resident Evil 5, probably helps Resident Evil 0. With the kind of background information you get in 0, it helps put 0 into a bit more, bit of a better setting, in my opinion. Hmm. I was going to say, you meant yeah, Marcus and the Brandon Bailey stuff, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. I'm thinking about this in the, in the context of, of what we'll probably end up discussing soon, but then when you start thinking about a man made of leeches... Yeah. <laughs> but it just, it just went wrong for me at the beginning when, you, you know, he starts, you know, that operatic singing on the hill, wearing that dress, and, uh, you know, I'd only just come to the series with Resident Evil 2 and Remake, and I just couldn't believe where, you know, this, this series has just taken this ridiculous, surreal turn. Um, that I just had me assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder if they'll take the opportunity, and they won't, but if they took the opportunity to actually use the best bit about the Zero part of Umbrella Chronicles and have that the Queen Leech from that. Just simply assume his form as opposed to actually yeah. be his mind transferred. Wow. <laughs> there we go. It's like a window into the future. <laughs> Other news uh, comes from the international gaming site IGN. We have a news port which shows that Capcom are pushing for more HD versions of their games. It covers things like Devil May Cry 4, but it could be a strong indicator that Resident Evil Zero HD is in the pipe work. Mm. Pipeline, even. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that that will be exciting. What I was going to say, what's interesting about this is that there seems to be a discrepancy for a lot of people. They want a physical copy of things, but of course, obviously, in the States, it's all been digital, mostly digital downloads. Like the Devil May Cry 4 Special Edition is going to be a digital download, whereas actually getting a disc release in Japan. The other part of it is, is how many, aside from Zero, how many other Resident Evil games are left that they could actually HD port that they haven't done already? We're yeah. down to like Outbreak and Dead Aim. <laughs> and I think otherwise everything else has got at least mean- some sort of HD port so far. Do you mean without literally having to build the, the game up from base upwards? 
You mean like remake was? Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. Uh, because you yeah, because there's nothing you can do with with obviously with with two or three, is there? So yeah, you're right. It's only the outbreaks and dead aim. Survivor two. <laughs> oh, <gee. laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. Versus roach mode in HD. Bonus feature. <laughs> I'd like to see them release maybe some sort of like anniversary edition of Resident Evil two, where it's maybe two and three on the same disc. Yeah. With a couple of extras, but still the basic PS one games. I, I yeah, I don't want them touched. Do you think the they could problem. almost they could almost structure it without redoing it? Just restructure it so you you played it became one game. Uh, so you could you know sort of play the section with before Carlos first and then into Resident Evil Two and then back to sort of Carlos's game. Would that work? Almost almost episodic like we've we've had with Revelations. I mean that's jumped all, all over the place. Maybe not so much that, but just the option of you know both games on the same disc with maybe I don't know a remastered sound and. But it won't be on a disc. That's the thing. It's yeah. going to be a digital download. And yeah. and and the other part of it as well is that while there are reasonably good quality versions of the backgrounds from three, there are no great quality versions of the backgrounds from two, as far as I'm aware, that have been kept. At least ones that would scale properly onto HD TVs in this day and age. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see something done with them, but I don't want them remade. Mm. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, it totally makes sense. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I would... well, like you say, something similar to Code Veronica, where yeah, without major changes, they just kind of polish it up a bit. I think it'd be a sad day when Resident Evil 2 remake is announced because you know it won't be right. They won't have the team behind it to make to to, mm. to bring the love back. I think it'll have none of the heart and soul. Yeah, exactly, and that would be my concern. And there's nothing wrong with the game. It holds because of its pre-rendered. You know, it, it still holds up. You know, if, if you're doing a like, you know, in like Wesker's report, you can watch Wesker's report one or two or whatnot. The FMVs and the cutscenes still look perfectly yeah. adequate. Well, Bi- Biohazard <laughs> three on the GameCube, especially, looks still looks really good. I think. Yeah. Hmm. I think we alluded to uh, was it the was it the episodic Revelations two cast where we compared the hunk sequence in Darkside Chronicles. Hmm. Um, to the version in 2 and the Dark Side Chronicles one is embarrassing and I think you bats brought up the fact that you know Ada's turned from a, a sort of very basic sort of spy to one that has a rocket launching lipstick and yeah. <laughs> which of the Outbreaks Outbreak games has their opening sequence where it basically shows video sequence of Birkin's demise the, uh, that's the first one isn't yeah. it yeah. because it, it takes the core concept and doesn't change it it keeps it the same it just shows it from a different perspective so I'd be open to a remake that stayed kind of as true to, to the concept as that but that's never going to happen now like, that Capcom that did that 12 years ago isn't it exactly you know, and with what's happening with Konami this week, which is just tragic. Oh, what's happened? Yeah, what's happened? Uh, they're basically turning themselves into a mobile phone developer. Oh, brilliant. They've well, I know Silent Hill said Hills that there's well. no desire to do any more sort of console games outside of MGS. Oh! Pro Evolution so Soccer. So is that is that what's, what's behind the, the Silent Hill breakdown? Yeah, and, Kana- and Kojima leaving. Oh. So it's just going to be Metal Gear 5 and Pro Evo. And Metal Gear Solid 6 will be a mobile game with uh, wow. microtransactions. Konami, I mean, oh, just just thinking back to some of the incredible legendary games they've been responsible for that I've played over the years. So, you know, the last thing we want is Capcom going down a road like that where a Resident Evil 2 remake is announced on iOS and Android. Oh. Buy first aid sprays for 99p off the store. Oh, yeah, yeah. Be careful things. what you wish for, people. Yes. Yeah. Well, Nintendo are flirting, aren't they, a bit with mobiles now? Not that I have a lot of interest in Nintendo consoles, but I think I think it would be very sad when they start not producing console games. You see, you're not thinking about this from your point of view. 
if Capcom go into sort of a more focused mobile division, you might get Confidential Report 3. (laughs) (laughs) Every cloud. Every cloud. (laughs) (laughs) We'll move on to the final bit of news. Um, This is uh, brand new news to us. We just found out on the 11th of May, the... Bear with me. Pacino Resident Evil Zero has been released. Pacino? Is he an actor? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you mean the... I thought it was Patchy Slop. The Patchy Slop thing. Yeah, that'll do. (laughs) (laughs) Well prepared as normal, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) The Resident Evil Zero this has been released on the 11th of May 2015, which is an interesting release, as it, again, would imply that... Mm. There is an appetite for Resident Evil Zero. Previously, we've only had Remake and Resident Evil 5 in this uh, kind of funny slot game in Japan. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Patchy slot. Patch, thank you. Thank you, Joshua. (laughs) Right, that finishes the news. I'm sure we'll come back to some of that uh, in future podcasts. We have a bit of site news. We encourage everyone to look at Project Umbrella to see all the uh, translations. We are slowly getting through them. Keep your eye on the top right-hand box on, on the site, which updates all the all the pages that get edited, um, hopefully in line with translations as we are able to produce them. Uh, a key document is that Ultima Revelations 2 book. Oh, there's fuck all in that. No, we don't So we'll now move over to our main discussion of the evening. That's Resident Evil the Revelations 2. That is Wesker. Alex Wesker. Two Weskers? You gotta be shitting me. So what I don't want to do, chaps, is to repeat everything that you went through the first time. I note your podcast was um, very detailed. Uh, Lots of good, educated guesses and theories. A lot of them I thought were actually spot on the money, actually. Mm. And uh, they were very interesting to listen back to, especially uh, as, as you didn't know the releases, you know, and, and the stories they came out. But I think we'll do our, our standard and just do a brief impression of the game. So, uh, Batman, what was your overall view? Well, I've had a very strange relationship with this game from start <laughs> to finish. Um, I will say that in the build-up, it was the first time in the series that I genuinely wasn't excited for a new biohazard game i mean in the past i've gone to quite ridiculous extremes to play these games early and i can easily recall being stupidly excited to play four five and even six but revelations 2 just wasn't doing it for me um i'm one of the few people that finds claire redfield to be quite a boring character at first i thought the long-awaited return of barry was just going to be a cheap gimmick 
and even when the game itself was unveiled it looked pretty average and none of the trailers were generating any kind of excitement or discussion and literally the only thing that had me interested was Capcom Japan's comments that the antagonist was this mysterious returning character who was very important to franchise lore. That was the only reason I bought it on opening day and having that underwhelming feeling for such a brand new Biohazard game was something I've never experienced before and even the game itself has me divided because whilst I was pleasantly surprised at the stripped back gameplay, the sort of semi-straightforward plot and the many fixes Capcom have applied since Resident Evil 6, I still feel torn over whether I like it or not, even now. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but things like Alex Wesker finally being unveiled, only to shoot herself in the head a minute later. You know, I'll watch the ending and think it's cool as hell that Natalia's been possessed, then I'll watch it again and think, what the hell have they done? Have they actually resorted to a fucking mind transfer plot? (laughs) You know, I I like the change in style in Moira's chapter one day, only to play it again and think, why am I hunting rabbits in the canon biohazard universe? (laughs) With a machine gun. Yeah. So overall, it's been a pleasant but extremely weird experience for me. <laughs> right, well, you know, it's very good. Um, Romby, you of yeah. course had the uh, the early introduction, uh, well, which you were able to relay to us in a pre- previous podcast. Well, well, that was the thing. I think I hadn't really kept on top of the game at all, pretty much, until about a week or two before that. And so when I went in and played it, I kind of had watched a couple of trailers, read a few comments, and I mean, most people online were pretty negative about the game beforehand anyway. And I didn't walk away from that experience with, like, you know, the best feeling about it, but I wasn't, like, horrified at what I'd experienced either. Um, so, I mean, the fact that I still was pleasantly surprised by certain aspects of the game afterwards was was really good, and, and, and I think we all agreed that perhaps it was, it felt like a, at least, if not a wholly great step, that it was at least a step in the right direction after 6. But, I yeah, I'm still on the fence. Like, I go back and forth, and, and it's, it's kind of a joke. I mean, that's basically what I spent a lot of time doing last time with some fence sitting about it, and I still haven't <laughs> made up my mind. Yeah, it's a it's a de- divisive kind of concept of, of a game, and, and I can understand why most people either have sat one way or another or, or sit in the middle, because you can't... It depends on the type of fan you were beforehand as well, I think, to a certain mm. extent, if you were still interested in the series or if you're starting to get over it. Whether or not it's, it's kind of dragging you back in for the right reasons, but there's still issues that perhaps need to be resolved. Uh, so, sorry. I'll echo what John said, really. I mean, the build-up. God, I don't think I've ever been as negative on a forum. Mm. <laughs> about a game before in the series you know and I really was like I mean every trailer that came out I thought looked terrible uh, there was obviously the Alison Court controversy uh, Moira just is a character I detested from the minute she was unveiled you know, and I thought the Barry thing was gimmicky and, and nonsense and then when I played it I remember just being every week just blown away by I mean I put it down to low expectations or whatever but it really did win me over gradually over the four weeks and it was a great month and then I still have issues with aspects of the story which we'll get into and we discussed various aspects of that I still came away massively positive about it you know two months on there's a bit of retrospect on it now the story really probably doesn't hold up all that much when you nitpick it the sixth month thing it doesn't really work but on the whole it's been a you know with with the remake coming out it's been a healing year so far for the series and I think after how bad I found Revelations and how disappointing 6 was I think the series needed these two little, you know, flashes of light. A healing yeah. year. I like that term. I like that term. George Trevor. Yeah, very similar to what John said. 
you know, if you'd asked me during the time of the game, I'd have given a more positive response because I think looking back now with hindsight, it's a bit weak to hold it up when at the end of the day, it didn't have to do a lot to get me positive. I, I, unlike John, when I approached Revelations 2 with a massive malaise and depression, it wasn't for the first time. I, I've had that since Resident Evil 4. So I wasn't expecting much and, and, and on the whole, but very positive. The slight look back towards puzzles, obviously not quite of the, the standard that we've got in one two and three um but there's a few quite nicely thought through puzzles the episodic thing though in the end i think is its downfall because it's what almost stops it for me from being a game that feels like it's kind of got a middle beginning and end almost ironically for something that is split into episodes each one is almost so well self-contained it doesn't feel like kind of one one whole game one process that i then look back and think oh i'm going to replay that again it's kind of like replaying a whole story like i would do with the other main games but I'm, I'm very pleased on the whole that generally there was that that unlike Revelations One, they were they are genuine. They take things generally from survival horror and and, and implement it well. We like the puzzles and the atmosphere and the pace and the pace of the game as well. I thought was very good. I have to say, having finished it last week, it is my favourite Resident Evil game since Resident Evil Four. I would say Four is a better game in terms of polish, completion, whatnot. But as a Resident Evil game, it is the best since Resident Evil 4. But as we've alluded to just a minute ago, that's not saying a lot. But I have to say, I thought it was brilliant. You know, in the first moment that you're travelling through, I had a jump moment. You know, when that first zombie comes up behind the uh, behind the bookcase. There were a few other genuine jump moments. The Revenant at the in, end. The one uh, in the mansion, yes. Yeah, yes, when it comes through the ceiling, that was fantastic. <laughs> it, fantastic. It's simple things that just didn't happen in 456 and and things like that and I felt it was a step in the right direction it got so many things right in terms of atmosphere general pacing quasi hub areas mm. a return to proper zombies um, and BOWs of you know of, of similar ilk it's not quite there but it was brilliant and it had a forest scene so I, I was happy with that I mean it could be better of course but it, it was I'd agree with what's been said but for me that I thoroughly enjoyed it and I don't think I've enjoyed a Resident Evil game as much since Resident Evil 4, which I still maintain is one of the most replayable games. But yeah, I can't wait to play it again and do some of the other chapters, although I'm not quite sure about hunting rabbits. That Did you game. like the um, sort of spooky fishing village as Claire and the rain-drenched town as Barry? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was The atmosphere was really good. And although people now think it's a, a staple of Resident Evil games that there's a chainsaw, Wielding maniac. Yeah. I actually oh, no, thought... it's a drill. It's, it's, a, it's a drill, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and in that area as well, I loved you talking about atmosphere and areas. Yeah. That abandoned building where, where you can hear like the radio with the Russian. Um, yeah. The atmosphere there was fantastic. But even, even with that drill bit, I didn't know. I was travelling around and I didn't know he was waiting for me. And I could just hear a drill go, or, or it sounded like a train, or a jill going off. I was, I was like, I was not going around the corner. Because I, I assumed there was going to be Chainsaw Man or something like that. And I, things like that were quite good. And the way he was introduced, I thought, was quite clever. Rather than just having a random character with a chainsaw, the actual infection worked quite well. Where did you kill him? Do I have a choice? Yeah, yeah you don't. You can yeah. kill him in the fishing village. You fight him tw- twice, though, don't you? I fought, I fought him up in the up in the factory. Do you not have to fight him, though? If you, you kill him as Jit Claire, he won't turn up as Barry. Yeah. Which is oh, weird, because really? oh. you'll get to that area where, obviously, there's a wall where he smashes through, and there's stuff behind it, but, of course, if you've already killed him, you, you don't get the stuff behind the wall, and you're like, you've gone all the way up this building, and then nothing ha- You push the helicopter out the side of the building, yeah. and you're like, got nothing to oh. do. There's nothing to do there. Oh, I, I, didn't didn't know, know, I, I didn't know that. No, I didn't know you could kill him. Yeah, when you go into the bar, you can, you pick up the drill as Barry, and you can. Use, it's how you get one of the last bugs as Barry. 
you know, to unlock the extra files. Oh, very good, very good. Well, that brings us on to the characters. Um, we're going to discuss the, the the enemies and the, the whole concept of fear a bit more detail. So if we avoid that for the time being and, and talk about some of the returning characters and the introduction of Moira and things like that. So if I start off with Claire, I, I thought she was as one-dimensional as always. <laughs> um, she, she hasn't changed at all since yeah. her, her rebellious student days on a motorbike. Um, I don't agree with that. I, I don't you? That. Only in the sense that perhaps she's even gotten more dull. <laughs> the key's gone. Do you, uh, are you going to use that? It's more reliable than any person. If you say so. And the English region, and the English region, it's kind of true, because, and, and we will give Newsbot credit for this, like, he was talking about the Japanese, ver- the difference between the Japanese version and the English version, and how the, the English version's, like, very different again as a character like even more dull there's her, her personality that was did exist previously like her connection with uh, sherry is not there in with you know with the small girl in this you know it's not it's not even the same character anymore it's a completely different character that's just as plain i don't <laughs> i don't know if i agree with that i just think that role was written for moira in this game but it doesn't even come across like there, there seems to be a massive disconnect that isn't correct with her character. It's not consistent with the way she's been portrayed in the past either. I understand the whole idea of having more in that role, but Claire's too far removed. Whereas apparently in the Japanese version, she's more akin to how she was at Moira. Still gets the connection better. Because I mean, there's that point, isn't there, when Moira actually has to point out to her that she's thinking more about the survival of the guy she fancies than the child. Which apparently doesn't exist in the Japanese version, at least to that extent. There was a hint of a relationship with Neil, wasn't there, as you're going? Well, it's he says in that interview, doesn't he, there isn't one. He, that yeah. was one of the questions they asked in Revol. Which it's is interesting. Shame. It would have made, I think it actually yeah, would have made it a bit more interesting. Exactly, I don't see an issue, so she's attracted to a boss. You know, it's not exactly unrealistic. But and then if... the problem with Capcom and doing relationships and things like that is that you get the other extreme with Chris versus Leon moment in Resident Evil 6 and uh, I need to shoot Ada, I need to save Ada and it was so over the top and ridiculous well, that, that, that entire scene essentially was a, was was the basis of one of the first ideas for that game Yeah, exactly. The, like, that, that picture of the two of them facing off against each other, it's like it's how you build a game around the idea of this <laughs> one scene, not a good idea but with Claire it just seemed to be like you know, she, she seems completely adverse to any biohazard incident that surrounds her. With Leon, you you know, he's an agent, he's expected to deal with it, but she kind of like comes up and goes, oh, here we go again. You know, and it's like, you, you know, you're a civilian working in an NGO, you should be a bit more, obviously you've had experience, but I mean, you know, you should be questioning what you're doing with your life that you keep ending up in these situations. <laughs> but, I, I mean, you, you compare her, the version of her character here compared to the version of her character in Degeneration, for example, completely different yes, style well, of character. Yeah, that, that's what I'm meaning. Like you, you really don't see that being the same person at all. Yeah, but chronologically, this is six years later. You know, the direct. Yeah, but that's no, that's no excuse to to completely change a character. Uh, it's part of it, obviously, is the 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 change of voice and different style of direction. But obviously, we already know as well that there was a version of this written in English and a version of this written in Japanese that are very different. They, they were made on the basis of making specific versions for the different languages but the character just doesn't feel true to any version of Claire that's previously been seen at all i can't see where someone who's yes six years later has come from that there's there's such a massive disconnect it seems like almost an entirely different character i just don't get that though i play as claire and within 20 minutes i thought yeah it's the same old claire she's not yeah, changed 
I, d- I, d- I don't see why people think she's so massively different. To me, she was instantly recognisable as Claire Redfield. Yeah. And, and and that was despite the voice actress change. Yeah, I totally I, I, did, I, I didn't have a problem with the voice actress. I thought she actually did quite a good job. No, but yeah, yeah. The, the degeneration. Bromby says the degeneration. Claire, you've got is the perfect Claire. She's had experience in Raccoon City and Rockford Island, but essentially she's a, an NGO and she's looking after Rani, whatever her name is. And Leon goes, look, stick with her. She can help. But she's not going off, you know. With guns ablaze and taking down zombies and you know shooting tyrants and whatnot, she's just there to protect people. And I, I, I know she's the star of the game, and you know, and, and that's how it comes across. But it does, for me, it just felt like she was too much of Jill, who's got the kind of military training. I think it's because the dialogue has effectively been written for the game that they've wanted. Like Rumby says, the two different dialogues for each for each region, but the, it's not the dialogue's not been written for the character. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I totally see where Sean and John are coming from in a general sense. Like, yes, it's clear to a certain extent certain characteristics, but I just don't see the connection between the version of the character we've seen as much previously in the past. And I, and I think that version in the CG movie is a perfect, that perfect counter of why I feel there's a massive disconnect and why other people, obviously, I'm not the only one who said that. But I mean, at the same time, I know that there are other people who said the same thing as well. And they're like, nah, it still feels like clear to me, even with voice actor change and so forth. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> We'll agree to disagree, then the podcast is split. <laughs> so uh, the other character was Moira, and uh, a member of Terrace, first day, uh, I think it was, it was first uh, her inauguration, was it, first day on the job? Potty mouth. <laughs> I liked her, though. I wanted to yeah, hate I, her, yeah. but like yeah. Jake in Resident Evil 6, I ended up really liking her. Fuck! Is anyone picking this up? My name is Moira Burton. My co-workers and I were taken here against our will. I don't know where. We have these fucked up bracelets, and this crazy woman is talking to us. Some kind of monsters have killed the others. Please, send help. Please. Shit. One more time. My name is Moira Burton. <laughs> you did feel at the end the, the swearing was there. It got a bit silly, didn't it, with Barry it did, going, well, fuck yeah. There's, it's a bit, there's obviously a, bit... a reason for that, isn't there? There must be presumably that that's been written in purposely. What to, I mean, not, not to make it feel more mature. I don't know. What, what, what is the purpose of that? I don't know. I, I quite like a voice actress as well. I mean, I played Chapter 1 last night, and the bit where she's doing the SOS broadcast at the end of Chapter 1, and she's all yeah. emotional, it's really good acting, and then she just it says, is. oh, fucking shit on the stick. <laughs> <laughs> this discussion was a lot of the time that obviously, oh, it's, it's because she's young, and that's the sort of thing that teenagers today would say, blah, blah, which I don't, I don't personally believe. I just think it's a genre thing. You want an angsty yeah. teenager, she's going to swear a lot, um, and she'll make up crazy shit. And I, I'm the same as you guys. I, I really didn't want to like it. What I'd seen, what little I'd seen in that playthrough really early on, I was like, oh, this might get really annoying. But the character's well-developed, yeah, and that the swearing became not as important as the character itself. I have to say, actually, as a character, I found in terms of development, I think for, for me, I, I prefer her and see more development compared to the main series stalwarts like Claire and, and for me also Leon and, and Chris to a certain extent. I really liked her indeed. The relationship with Evgeny at the end was some of the best writing the series has had for a long time, I thought. Yeah, it's just a shame that the scenario is dreadful. <laughs> 
she as a character is, is great and she's given a really strong arc in the game as well mm. I think and Resident Evil games they're not well known for their arcs characters mm. tend to start a game and finish it exactly the same yeah. like in Resident Evil 6 it was just a holding station for every character like literally no character developed mm. in any way whatsoever and yet you know Moira actually you can safely say is a different person by the end of that yeah. that journey I'd agree with that as well. I mean, the swearing thing as well, going back to that, sorry to go back on it, but I mean, it's a consistent issue with the English script. I mean, I, I think I made the comment about it at the start of that second episode, you know, the first cutscene, the first line in that, you know, was just so ridiculous. It's I like, love his balls. Yeah, it's like, really? Like, that's a thing? Like, certain games, certain games you expect. Has anyone played Lollipop Chainsaw? Yeah, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, it's it's bonkers. It's a bonkers game. You expect that sort of like ridiculous, over the top. Like I, I remember, like one of the things is like shit muffins or something. It's like, it's like in that game, in that context, completely makes sense. But like if you put that into this game, it kind of doesn't work. And and that's why I was like, it's not just a character trait. They haven't just decided this because the character doesn't need to swear because he's young. They've just thrown it in there because they think that's what people out there want to hear. The one that really didn't work for me was where you, she kills Neil and she says something like, go and sit on a dildo, boss, or, or sit on my dildo, boss, or something. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. And it just doesn't Who? work. Oh, it's cringeworthy. I miss that. Sorry, it took half a year. Fucking technology. Yeah. <laughs> I missed that out. I mean, more, most of it's just exaggerated bollocks, isn't it? It's, it's forgettable. But that one line, yeah, go and sit on my dildo, boss, as she's stabbing this massive Ouroboros creature in the heart or whatever, it just no. no <laughs> yeah. I think that explains why these these VAs remain nameless on the credits. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> I can't believe she, are you. Sure you're here? Did, did other yeah. people hear? That? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I heard that. Famous line. Yeah, jump on I'll the, try and get was, the quote. The, the, the other one, the other one I remember as well. Is, I swear to God, I'm going to survive the fuck out of this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I say that I swear a lot, but and I can I can put the word "fuck" into a lot of sentences, but that just doesn't work. It just doesn't even sound right. I did like her reaction to the statue exploding, though. Like fucking statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of worked well because I wasn't expecting that. But but yeah, survive the fuck out. Just, the grammar's all wrong there. Go jump on a dildo boss. It was sort of... The choker god line as well, which people seem to have a few issues with. Oh, that she's right back at Alex, yeah. Yes, yeah. The, the other kind of character of, of importance was the return of Barry Burton. Mm. Um, as you've alluded to, a bit of nostalgia, but actually I thought he was kick-ass. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was brilliant. What are you doing all alone? Where are your parents? I don't have any parents. And I don't know why I'm here. I just am. She got you just like she got my baby. So what's your name, sweetie? Natalia. Wow, what a pretty name. My name's Barry. Barry? That's right, don't wear it out. A very welcome return. Yeah since his adventures on the Starlight, I was very pleased for him to come back. And <laughs> it did seem weird him swearing, because he's, he's such a nice chap. And, but, but it worked as this kind of like veteran beardy man who's out to save his daughter. And you, and you kind of got, you got the impression that he was doing it for his daughter, even though you know their relationship wasn't good, he wanted to make amends. And, and I, th- I thought that part of the story did come across quite, quite well. 
you know, Sean pointed out with the character arc, he gets like like his daughter as he's part obviously as he's part of that story. He gets his own kind of character arc in terms of his relationship with with his daughter, and I think it's so great that that they gave that to, to Barry as a returning character because as Nick says, you know, he got a great story. It, it wasn't sort of like a, just a cheap thrills return. It's such a shame that they didn't carry on with Ed Samarin as the voice actor. The chap that they've used who I don't even know if we should mention because he himself is under a, an NDA and he's not allowed to talk about his, his voicing of the character. He, he's quite well known in the voice acting circles and I think he did a very good job. I was worried Barry might be a parody of himself because he's not mm. been a... I thought the same thing about the parody thing. I thought with the idea that they keep throwing in these references early on in Clear's part of the first episode that I was like, oh, Barry's just going to be spouting off one line after one line. Mm. It wasn't like that at all, which was which was good. Who's the master of unlocking now? Yeah, there, there was a few. There wasn't. But it could have been a lot, lot worse. Yeah, I agree with Rodney. It didn't really go down that route and it could have done. And there were certain signs, alarm bells were ringing, but luckily we didn't get that. Did you not whoop whoop when he goes, I've got this... I decided to take us. I like that. I a thought lot of people brilliant. hated that line, but I quite liked it. It's a bit cheesy, but it, it was just with the with the image. I think it worked. Like, with the the image of it was so strong, it, I think it just about pulled it off. Like you said, uh, Paul, about his, his arc, you know, he, he sort of starts really almost defeated already because I think he genuinely believes Moira's probably dead, and he just he's really gone for proof, hasn't he? More than more than anything for himself. Well, you were yeah. speculating a lot, weren't you, about why isn't the BSAA here? Why is why is he gone on his own? This is before it all, yeah. You know, before and before he, it all came just, up. It, it's just a, a nice little story as of like a desperate father, hmm. you know. And the fact that I think Moira and him have a, a sort of arc where they have to overcome the problems with each other, and is one of the reasons why Claire as a character stands out in that she just doesn't really change or do anything apart from just be there. You know, it's like they have just put her in as a name, as opposed to thinking of a, a good storyline for the character. Well, yeah, she she doesn't have a story at all, really, apart from just being there. As you said, Bats as well. It's Moira that kind of takes the a very brief role of being maternal over Natalia. Mm. What does Claire bring other than a a gun? I suppose the only other thing is as well. There's a cemetery in that. It's uh, another Wesker and another Redfield, isn't it? Mm. You know, as you said, she hardly meets. Because would it make Wesker. sense in would it make sense in the timeline? Because almost you could see you talk about symmetry. Wouldn't it be almost made more sense to have been Jill, who who obviously gets the interactions with Barry in the mansion, and 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 obviously who's saved at the end of RE three. So if anything, I, why didn't they pair him up with Jill again? Well, they've already said it was just fan demand. Claire and Barry is what they wanted, so that's what they went with. That's the other part of the fandom, and I think we discussed as well, is that that inconsistency or consistency of the type of person Barry is, like. This Barry's kind of more like the Barry that you'd expect in the original PlayStation Resident Evil 1 compared to, like, the remake version of Barry, who's a little bit more straight-laced and doesn't say anything silly, seems a little bit mopey and depressed, isn't really there in this version. Mm. Some people, and also including Newsbot, have discussed the idea that obviously there's no consistent canon version of the events of the first game, so therefore both versions of Barry technically can exist. I mean, I, I don't know if it's up to debate, but... I. That was another reason why I thought they might go over top, over the top with the character because there was all this discussion about people liking the original cheesy master of unlocking Barry than, <laughs> than perhaps the the depressed sour version in the remake. Yeah, I think the remake Barry, I suppose he's a kind of a bit detached, isn't he? More understandably so, given the circumstances of what's happening with his family, like it it, it makes sense. But all the cheesy one-liners, of course, make no sense canonically. 
<laughs> because none of them happen. All these throwback references don't mean anything. They, well, they don't, because oh, they've told you that story too. What story? Oh, the sandwich. Well, that never happened. <laughs> you know, really, did it? So, um... well, but basically, by referencing it, it essentially now means it didn't yeah. happen. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they've retconned it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to use that word retcon because if Newsport hears us, she's just going to go, no, they never retcon anything. And it's not in the Japanese. A lot of them, it's not in the Japanese script either. It's not it? the Japanese script, no. Exactly. Ah, so okay, people are like, oh, okay. it's, it's not in that version. I mean, there's think... a couple of things that are referenced that are in the Japanese version, but for the most part, the lines that are referenced in the English version were already references for the English versions. I think the only line that's the same in the Japanese version that he says is the I have this line. Oh, okay. Be interesting to get a translation of the Japanese dialogue then. I mean, particularly the the, the dialogue between Moira and Alex. Oh, not Moira, sorry, Natalia and Alex. Mm. Which brings us nicely on to Natalia. Lottie? Lottie? Where did you go? What's the matter? Natalia? Huh? You look just like me. Oh, but I am you. Now, tell me why you're so upset. I can't find Lottie. She's my friend. Well, what a coincidence. I have a postcard from Lottie, right here. It's interesting because the whole point of the story is that she is fairly fearless and seems to be quite oblivious to everything that's going on. And she obviously has some kind of weird power that she can see the orange haze of monsters coming. And you know, whether at first I thought was that just a you know a technique, you know, because she's obviously not going to fight with anything other than a brick. But as the story develops, you find out you know she's infected and you know and, and whatnot. But she's very she's very bland. But the story helps with that understanding. And when you do get that background information with Terra Grigia and things like that, you can almost understand why she's so immune, if it were, to grotesque horrors in front of her. And I, I think for her that did work quite well. Mm. And also the replay value of when you then I mean I'm not, I'm not I I'm very uncomfortable with the kind of the fantastical. Uh, side of the mind transfer thing but in terms of a, a device i i, I kind of like i i really enjoy it actually what it does to the narrative in terms of allows uh, a future enemy to perhaps exist inside of natalia but and the debate surrounding the, the type of mind transfer in terms of is it a separate consciousness or the fact that we now find out there were two alex two alexes existing at, at, almost at the same time but just the fact that we, we can now look back and and kind of try and figure out you know slight subtle suggestions that, that Alex is awakening inside Natalia when she's having certain conversations with Barry, particularly towards the end. Yeah, there is subtle hints there, which uh, you don't necessarily pick up on first time through. There's a scene where near the end where you're walking through the caverns and you can hear the piano playing, and she says something along the lines of, this song's upsetting me and I don't I don't know why it's upsetting me. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's the song Alex plays that reminds her of Albert, yeah. and that's why she's upset. So it's stuff like that which is... Uh, you know, it's interesting once you pick up on it. I think the suggestion was that she was only awakened when she was reading her book at the end of the epilogue. Yes. Well, but there's tiny, you know, she doesn't just go from zero to that. There's, you know, she's still, there's still very slight sort of journey towards there, I think. But yeah, that's that's the implication. She reads the newspaper headlines about tall oaks, and that's what brings it to the surface. Mm. That Kafka book's all about siblings, though, isn't it? And her relationship with Wesker. Yeah. Which I'm sure we'll get onto in a bit. 
it's an interesting kind of concept that by the end, potentially Wesker's living with Barry. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's, it's like I was saying before, it's quite a cool idea that this character's been possessed and she's going to turn evil. When you take a step back and you think, well, Alex Wesker's living with Barry Burton, I mean, you know. Oh, I think it's brilliant. Tyler Hamilton and Dorothy Lester, there'd be more chance of that happening. See, they, they broke me years ago, Capcom. You know, back in the day, you know, after Resident Evil 3, I took Resident Evil so seriously and, and nothing out of the blue that couldn't happen in the real world did I ever want. And then, then you get Les Plagas and then, you know, what happens to Wesker and, uh, oh, they broke me years ago so I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with it now yeah but just take a step back then you do Resident Evil 7 with Alex Wesker as the villain how, how are you going to do it let me put that to you how are you going to do it <laughs> she's living with Barry in the, in the, it's the, like a sitcom the, it is isn't it it's, <laughs> she's living with Barry they'll, they'll be sitting there at breakfast they'll be arguing over the cereal and it'll, it'll all kick off oh, she'll be building a lab in his basement and you know <laughs> It's uh, when you really step back and analyse it properly, it, it's fucking ridiculous what they've done. But at the same time, it's kind of cool. That's why it, it just left me the, so divided. I mean, the frustrating get... thing for me is the fact that I saw Revelations Two as an opportunity to put closure on the Alex Wesker character because I honestly thought, you know, I was relieved that they they were going to going to use that name as a villain because I thought honestly thought it was a plot thread that they would never ever follow up so I thought with Revelations 2 it's a good opportunity to give you the character and put closure on the character and what they've done is they've kind of done that but then they've also said but just in case yeah. they, they just can't get rid of West you know and, and so it just uh, oh. but do you not think that the series is crying out for you know like a signature enemy like we you know obviously like Albert was and, and to have another one now it had Instead one. of a lot, we like because we're all complaining, and I agree that they keep killing off these these enemies, these, like these one game enemies. I was going to say Derek Simmons was your series villain. Mm. He was there. He was retconned into everything back in the past. You know, he that, he just would have been a a wonderful villain to carry on with. But, you know, now that we haven't got that, hopefully there's that potential now with Alex. Yeah, but it's not going to be Alex. That's the point. Alex, no, is, I... Alex is dead. Yeah. Will it be her consciousness, won't it, in, in another vessel, effectively? No, because I see it more of a copy, not not mm. her. Yeah, uh, you know, mm. it, it, the Alex that is in Natalia will have no memory of Alex's death because it didn't happen to her. It's like a duplicate, if you like. It's yeah. it's not a. But will she not have Alex? She'll have a Alex's consciousness in terms of how she was prior to her own death. Yeah, I would say that. What example did I use last podcast? Yeah, the, you used a good one, Hugh Jackman in The Prestige. That's it. Yeah. The machine that creates copies of him, but they they don't share a consciousness. They sort of become split and separate, where they kind of both are. But, but there I'm is the original. Term, yeah, I'm just thinking in terms of her having the same ambitions and the same, you know. Oh that, yeah, that. she'll have the personality traits because that's why she's reading the Kafka book. Mm. Yeah, but she won't have the direct memories. Do you think she's going to form part of the or, or Natalia slash Alex, whatever? Is it a bit like the Metal Gear Solid situation? Liquid and you probably will get a split personality thing because yeah, I, I just wonder if it's part of the new generation moving forward. They're going to finally put to bed Jill, Chris, and whatnot, and we're going to move forward. We're going to have Sherry, Jake. Oh, you have, haven't you? You've got Sherry, Jake, Moira, the Natalia, yeah. Natalia. But it's funny, isn't it? I mean, this franchise is nearly twenty years old now, and we're talking about how it's almost completely unrecognisable from what it used to be. But if you think about it, the first game was you played as Chris Redfield, you were assisted by Barry Burton going up against Albert Wesker, and here we are twenty years later <laughs> playing as Claire Redfield with Barry Burton's daughter going up against Alex Wesker. <laughs> yeah. How far have we really come? Twenty years, God fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> twenty years. I don't know. 
I was 13 when I played my first Resident Evil game. 13? I'm 31 now. <laughs> you, need, you need to think about transferring into a younger vessel. Yes. <laughs> but uh, as a core character, I thought Alex Wesker was pretty good. I have to ask that question you've just suddenly brought up. But is it still the fact that the only indication that Alex needed to transfer because she presumably looked relatively middle-aged was that she was terminally ill and were to take that from that single cough? Well, yeah, the director confirmed it in his interview that Alex yeah. was terminally ill and he says there's some hints in the files but there isn't any hints in the English versions. Um, no. She, her face, you know, she's not even pale, you know, she doesn't look old. It's literally well, just that one cough. She's 51 years old. She's the same age as Albert, but she was terminally ill. And that's why she had mm. to speed up the the uh, the vessel. You're perfect. <coughs> Six months from now, you're going to awaken as me. And the world is going to be very afraid. So good night, my darling. Sleep well. All this time wasted. My whole life has been a prelude to this. My true birth. She took the same virus, the same Wesker virus as Albert did, but obviously she was the 20% who just survived with uh, without any special abilities. Yeah, which suggests Albert was the perfect candidate, and he's the one that sought out Spencer, whereas Alex didn't. Yeah, she's, she's a great character, and the, the backstory, she's, she's written quite sort of tragically, and it's just a shame that it was just so quick to hurry her into a, a mutant. It was quite sad because the way you played it in the game order is that you kind of met Monster Alex and you it, yeah. it was obviously the same person quite soon before you met the real one and it was all yeah. at the end of Claire Four I was um, expecting a huge sort of scene where they would discuss and you get a proper introduction to her mm. and uh, she just fucking shoots herself. <laughs> it's quite dramatic because you weren't expecting it, were you? And it was it was quite gory. But she's so interesting and, and she's you know mm. the writing in Revelations Two, swearing aside, is quite strong. It's amongst yeah. one of the better of the series, and I just think. They could have done some great work with her as a character, even if it was just through an exchange through that glass window. But it, it's the, the scene's probably not even 30 seconds long, you know, and there's no great reveal, it's just bang. Oh, and that's randomly triggered a self-destruct. Yeah, it's it's just strange. I mean, why bother with this mind transfer thing? Why not just have her simply survive the game? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I do, like, I, I do like the fact that her failed idea for an immortality virus is the transfer of a vessel oh god did I just say that <laughs> <laughs> of course the most important character we haven't talked about is the chap in the sewers Evgeny yeah <laughs> as you said in your podcast it's quite random to suddenly find a survivor you weren't expecting him but he, he didn't last long bless him the sad thing is I, think, I, I like what John said is that like the writing in their in their um, scenario is, is wonderful and they have a really really good relationship but it's just surrounded by some of the worst gameplay in the entire series, I would say. It's just—it's just like a sort of glorified battle mode, but it's—it's it's crazy difficult. I mean, has anyone actually done it on survival? Yeah, because I just can't—I can barely do it on normal. 
The stealth one is the worst, I think. Like it's yeah. just it's impossible. Like on any level, pretty much, it's to not get seen somehow at some point. They can, almost can see through walls sometimes. So. It's just stupid arcade star mechanic of getting lives through hunting rabbits with a submachine gun. Right. What I want to talk about now is the fear. No, not the that. Fear. Lily, yeah, not that Lily Allen song. We're going to talk about the, the whole concept of The Fear, which was very much a poignant moment in the game, and certainly pivotal in the overall story. Um, what I was discussing with the chaps before we came on air was the fact that they could have gone down the route of a kind of virus omometer from Outbreak series, which would have been an interesting mechanic, because it would have created a kind of stealth mode, in that if you saw something horrific, it could have increased your fear fearometer up. And if it got too high, you'd turn into a zombie, which would be fairly interesting, probably quite annoying at the same time. But the whole thing is about fear, but you don't really see it because you're going through shooting and you don't need to worry about it. But for the story purposes, as I mentioned, it was, it's really important. And I wondered what everyone's thoughts were, whether that actually came across in terms of the viral aspects of the T. Phobos virus. Batman, you had some strong views on this. Oh, don't. My head will explode. <laughs> well... We all know how it works, obviously. It's based on adrenaline and noradrenaline or whatever being secreted into the body, depending on, you know, the stress levels of the person, which is quite a cool concept, but yep. it's the whole adaption to the virus thing I don't like. I mean, for me, it would have worked a lot better if Natalia, she went through horrors and terror grigia, she'd experienced so much that she simply just became, you know, immune to fear. She just couldn't reach the required levels of fear because she'd seen it all before her experiences were that traumatic she could just never get to that stage again and that's what would prevent her from mutating i think that would have worked much better rather than having a oh yeah she's uh, overcome her fear which means she gets these superhuman powers and the same with moira i just there was no need for her to magically adapt to this virus either she could have just overcome a fear of guns you know overcome the biggest traumatic event in her life where she shot her sister accidentally that she cannot reach the required levels of fear for the virus to trigger. I just think that would have been a much more realistic and a much better explanation than them somehow adapting magically and not mutating. It just, as a virus, it's a cool concept, but for me it just doesn't work. I thought that was what happened, though. I thought because they overcame their fears throughout the course of the game through the guns and uh, and Natalia not you know, experiencing the traumas of Terra Grigia, that they had the virus in them for, for such a predetermined amount of time that they would never react to the virus. Well, that's the idea, but it's, it's whether they've overcome their fear, which means their bodies have adapted to the virus and they don't mutate, or they've not reached the required levels of fear because they're incapable of doing so. So, taking them out of a situation with bioterrorism, if they were, say, involved in a car crash in Chicago or something like that, they're about to be crashed into a car, you know, and their fear goes up because they think they're about to die, would they then react to... would they then mutate? Well, it's it's weird, isn't it? I mean, if you if you look at the other characters, for example, Pedro's quite straightforward, isn't he? He shits himself to the point where he goes crazy and mutates. That's quite straightforward. Gabe, on the other hand, his bracelet does the opposite. It's red when he's in the helicopter, implying that he's overcome his fear and he's adapting to the virus, but then... When the helicopter starts to malfunction, he panics again and starts to mutate. But it's implied that Moira and Natalia are incapable of doing that. 
and it's just not very clear because of the inconsistency with the bracelets in my opinion. Yes we've had directors interviews saying Alex Wesker wanted someone with a red bracelet but the files in game directly contradict that. So if someone is directly infected and they mutate they turn into fairly strong individuals like Pedro. Yeah. But the it's the people that are secondary infected presumably through the traditional means of being bitten that they turn into the afflicted. Well, the virus leaked, didn't it? And that's what turned everyone into afflicted. The people at the prison, I'm not sure if the prisoners were originally test subjects or whether they were just, as in test subjects, whether they were given bracelets or, or whether they were just people subjected to hideous torture just to see the extreme, you know, to sort of measure their fear, to see how scared they could get before they died or whatever. Because um, mm, the files are exceptionally unclear, like most of them, about yeah. what exactly was going on. Yeah. I've always tried to want to work out, you know, it's a problem with four, five, and six. Why, why is the chainsaw Ganado much, much stronger than the normal Ganado? There's never real any explanation. I just wondered why the prison guards with their big axes or whatever they're doing in mm. in, in Revelations two. Why why are they so much stronger? Why is Pedro so much stronger? I think you can just put it down to the similar traits in the T virus. Each mutation's different, and every now and again it'll produce a you know an irregular mutant or whatever. Or you yeah. could just say, well, they needed a boss. Needed <laughs> a boss, yeah. Okay, so in terms of that, then, you're looking at a slight inconsistency, perhaps, or I want if, if something might come out in the Japanese translations regarding the, the, the fear elements, but I think we said earlier that Moira's bracelet was red throughout. It turns red when she gets crushed by the rubble at the end of uh, Chapter <sighs> 4. If you get the bad end in, you see her bracelet flash, implying that she mutates and dies, but you don't, oh. see, you don't see that in the good ending. It's a question how she does survive that rubble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> why they even bothered to have her buried under the rubble rather than just separated yeah because there's a big pool of blood under her <clears throat> yes but in terms of being able to adapt to the virus you would have thought Claire was the obvious candidate because of everything she's been through and the fact that her bracelet never goes from orange throughout, yes. throughout the game implying that she's in control of her fear and she's not easily scared and they make such a point of the bracelets as well when Moira points out Neil's. Oh, oh it's green. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think Neil had T4 boss in him or do you think he had a fake bracelet on? Because this has generated a lot of debate. A lot. I don't think we'll ever know. Will we? What does it come across like to you? Well, the only way you can tell is the reaction when he's in, inserted with uh, Ouroboros. That's the only clue that you've got, I would imagine. I mean, because... what does the bracelet do there? I can't remember. Well, we haven't got a definitive answer, but obviously Neil's bracelet stays green all the way throughout the game. And I, More I personally believe he has the T4 boss virus in him, but because he's working with Alex Wesker and he knows exactly what's going to happen, he's just not scared. So his, vi his bracelet never changes colour. Which would explain, perhaps, the slight different reaction to Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Hmm. <laughs> but then again, that same reaction just could come from the fact that he... Is a partial adapter, yeah. I'm just watching the, the clip now, and I would say it's a good shout that the bracelet's probably fake, because even when he's dying, it never changes from green. Uh, when he's mutating, I mean. And he's certainly afraid in this sequence. So, but it stays a solid green all the way through it. So do we think he is infected with T-Phobos? No. But I have to say, but would... just in a kind of out-of-context situation, that boss fight is one of the best boss fights for a long time. Yeah, I really enjoyed the action, and because he was a tyrant, he was a nemesis, wasn't he? he had the nemesis face, and uh, it, it was good to kind of have him back. And it was again, it was a nice link back to Wesker because he looked a bit like Wesker with the kind of the arm and stuff. Good fight, good fight, quite tricky. Yeah, it never changes green all the way through it, even when his skin starts to all tear. 
green all the way through. So it could be a fake bracelet. I didn't, yeah, I didn't think that. So initially, I presumed simply the change wasn't occurring because obviously he knew what was going on around him. Yeah. But you know, if that's the case, if it doesn't change after, you know, effectively when his world's falling, it's all falling apart, and um, he, he, you know, it's, it's beyond that. Then, yeah, it must have been fake. So the question is, he infected with Tifobos? We'll never know until someone, the Capcom, says otherwise. I mean, do you not think that when he's injected with Euroburst, he kind of responds? I don't know. To me, it's as if that that the, the shock, and I don't. It, to me, I. My initial reaction was that's the first time he's kind of been injected with something. He starts laughing, which implies to me he's not scared. I think it's not a fake bracelet. I just think he was never, ever scared throughout because he knew exactly what was going on. Because he knew what, yeah. Mm. Take a quick deviation onto Neil, and and I know you touched on this in the last podcast, really, about what his plan was. Oh, my head's exploded again. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I've isolated the best candidate. Good work. Now it's your turn to fulfill your end of... What did you... You wanted an Ouroboros sample, now you've got it. Lapdog. You don't know shit about me. I know you were Lansdale's puppet. When Velcro incited the Terragrigia panic seven years ago, the FBC was pulling the strings. The old man went down, but he was smart enough to pass the torch before he did. You played me. Because you're an idiot. You thought you could create a new terrorist threat to justify the FBC. A monster like you could never understand. Just to very quickly to knock this on the head, I'm right to think that it's effectively, well, not effectively, it is an exact replica of Revelations. For a couple of lines of dialogue, yeah. Yeah. And then, to be honest, I think Alex Wesker feels the same about the Revelations 1 game. When she uh, sensed that all this shit was cropping up again, she thought, oh, Neil, you can fuck off with this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm going to save this game from uh, the fate of the FBC again. And that's why she fucks him off straight away. <laughs> because I think your analogy last time was spot on in that it seemed his plan was to kind of bring back the FBC for some reason, which in Revelations 1 kind of worked. But as you said, six years later, or whatever it is, we do have the BSAA, so there's no need for the FBC. So quite what his motivations were so it's, it's an unoriginal plan in, in a world where it's even less context for it yeah it's yeah. even less needed yeah give lansdale some credit there was there was yeah his timing was right yeah because yeah, bsaa were a new organization back then and if he'd managed to get the trump card on them then the fbc could have been yeah what sort of leading be, yeah. countermeasure team but you know by 2011 the bsaa have already proven themselves as being more than able mm. and the oh, DSO is it gets jurisdiction in America so yeah the BSA have jurisdiction in America as well the government cherry pick what incidents the can and can't go to that's it yeah but Leon's so- sort of team is mainly first port of call in America isn't it perhaps if we had more time with Neil and they were able to certainly determine that he was a stark raving lunatic um, you might have understood but he, he comes across as quite cool calm and collective and it makes his plan even more stupid. You know, he, he's thought about what he's doing, but if he was a total lunatic again, I will bring back the FBC, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> you know, for no reason. It just seemed a very forced and pointless connection to the first game. Yes. Mm. I don't mind it, though. 
It's just so throwaway, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the, it's the one major letdown of, of the game. I think there are little flaws with the game. There aren't many, but I think this is one of the major ones. So here's Brace that we're assuming is possibly fake, possibly not. I think we're going to have to get clarification. The concept of the fear was important for Wesker, because she was looking for someone who overcame their fear that she could then download her digitised consciousness in. <laughs> It hurts every time. Yeah. <laughs> Revelations 2 is brought to you by Bill Gates and Microsoft Windows 10. Transferring consciousness since 2015. I wonder how many uh, how many ammo discs it takes to transfer one's consciousness onto. <laughs> so let's try and decipher Alex Wesker's plan from beginning to end. According to the information I've read, that she was obviously part of the Wesker children, and she was in the Information Bureau Eric? between 91 and 98. Well, we don't know when she joined the information department. The earliest date we have is August 1998, when she makes a report on the mansion incident. See, yes. this is one of the things that I have an issue with, is there's been debate in forums, is just how much, if at all, interaction she would have had with Albert. Because, I mean, I, I, I don't like to hold too much weight with that portrait being, being evidence, because... I think that's more of an Easter egg for the fans rather than a real plot point, that portrait. And I don't know, because it, if, if it's just in the background, Barry picks it up. They're not being thought about properly. Yeah. Just, then yeah. it looks cool. Not... Yeah, yeah. How could yeah. Wesker be surprised with Spencer in a five about, you know, in a sense, having his existence manufactured mm. if he already knew back in the late 80s of a Wesker sibling that yeah. is not a blood relative. Well, we it's ha- the same thing we talked about. Is like, How can you have all these people with the last name Wesker in the Umbrella organisation and nobody asks any questions? Like, We'd have to assume that Alex is using a, a false name, a, a pseudonym, which, yeah. which would imply that she's already in charge of the programme if she's having to use a false surname. So... <sighs> Isn't there that file in Lost in Nightmares from Alex W? Yeah, that's that's in Resident Evil 5. That's dated August 1998, when she says Albert's death in the mansion incident has reduced the number of candidates mm. down to 18% or something. Yeah. That portrait of them both was probably taken in the early 90s, but the key thing is, is whether Alex was in charge of the Wesker program in that time, and they knew, or she knew her significance to Albert, because Albert obviously didn't have a clue at that time. She definitely knew who he was. Yeah, like you say, they both stood together, they've both got the surname Wesker. That's never brought up, so we have to assume she was using a fake surname, which would imply yep. she was in charge of the programme and she knew exactly who he was. But he or, didn't. or even or even that, that they didn't know each other's last names, or she knew his last name, but he didn't know what her last name, he just knew her as Alex. Yeah, poss- that's, that's possibly. That's a plausible thing as well. It's a one-way relationship. Maybe her pseudo pseudonym was Christine Henry. but the other key points are obviously she never created an immortality virus she was obviously bluffing Spencer which was what a lot of us thought all along I think but Mm. one of the interesting things was one of the files says she came to the island in 2000 which is a good six years five six years before she actually betrays Spencer maybe they maybe they were romantically involved and she you know Jay. Honestly, I was thinking that. I was genuinely thinking whether they were going to go down that route in the past. It's interesting because it's obvious in the game that she's quite obsessed with him. Mm. And it makes me wonder why she never decided to seek him out and make contact with him. Because she's obviously keeping an eye on him because, you know, she knows he killed Spencer and she knows he's in Africa and developing Ouroboros. So why doesn't she make contact with him? I don't get it. And even Albert, I mean, Albert's whole, you know, 
the whole point of his Ouroboros plan was to find superior humans like Alex. So I don't understand why Alex Wesker wouldn't make contact with him. Especially once she finds out that she's dying as well. Yeah. Yeah, what, what has she had to lose by carrying on her own research when she could join up with... Presumably, though, Albert would kill her. But why would he, though? Because he was looking for people like him. People who had superior genes to adapt to Ouroboros, which Alex would be able to do. Was that not the whole point of his plan, to find, you know, humans he... worthy of surviving his new world? <laughs> that sounds just as stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's a very that's a, that's a very good point. I wonder if they will in the future go down the fact that Alex was Jake's mum. It'd be better that reunion's going to be interesting. <laughs> so, the only other question would revolve around... Yeah, it was good that the immortality virus was a bit of a red herring. Because although you could see the signs in the progenitor virus, it was possible. You know, it's good that it wasn't, because I think it works better. But we've then got to bring into the mix the experimental variant of the T-virus that Birkin administers to all the Weskers under Spencer's orders as part of Project W. And the implications to both Albert and Alex. We know Albert has to take a drug to keep the virus at bay, to suppress it. Why doesn't Alex? Well, you could argue because she's had a different reaction to it. As in, she's just survived it. Whereas Alec, uh, Albert's genes have been rewrote and he's got these special powers that he has to keep in check. You could also potentially argue that this is what's been slowly killing her. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. Oh, okay. But she, as we said, she, was, she is terminally ill, but we don't really know what. When did she find out she's terminally ill? Could it have been the result of the injection? Well, it's not explained. Again, it's pretty vague, yeah. Wouldn't that make a bit of sense, wouldn't it? If after Birkin's administration of the T-virus, she, whatever, a variant of the T-virus. That would be quite a clever explanation, but there's nothing that alludes to it, unfortunately. No. So she then decides to... She set up research on the island. Now, is this... The island that we're on in Revelations is different to the island mentioned in yeah. Lost in Nightmares. It's implied but not confirmed yet, I don't think, that the in the Heavenly Island manga, the island they're investigating there is the original island Spencer sent Alex to. But there's two islands in the manga. Yeah, we don't know the ins and outs of it yet, but that's the implication. It's one of those islands has the abandoned military facility on that Alex took Spencer's test subjects to. But <clears throat> like I mentioned before, she was obviously planning on betraying Spencer for a long time because yeah. she came to the island in Revelations 2 as early as 2000 Yeah, and you know set to work reopening the mine and generating loads of jobs and stuff so she had a plans and, for a long time and kind of coincidentally got this kind of godlike status which I thought I'm not sure if that was a purposeful touch which I thought was quite nice but... so then she decided to I said, betray Wesker and start working on her own plans and a researcher came across T. Phobos whilst researching, and the establishment of this chemical release of the brain of the adrenaline and noradrenaline, and that intrigued her. Yeah, intrigued her because of the fear aspect, because it relates to Franz Kafka. Yes, which is this this version's Dante's Inferno. Mm. Yes. And then she was able to acquire the Ouroboros as well for research, which she didn't think too much of. Uh, I like some of the references in there about it being dark blood 
things things like that. It would have been wouldn't it have been nice to have a reference as to how she got hold of that. Yeah, that was one of my biggest gripes. Yeah, I don't know how. Uh, either through Tricer would have been quite good. That's the only other point I was that I can think of. What you were talking about before, why she didn't join up with Albert, was she realised what he was doing research wise. She she basically dismisses it. So maybe that's the only other potential reason why she didn't see any potential in reaching out to him further. Because he disappeared for a while, obviously, as well as the other other part of it. I also wasn't a fan of the changes made to Ouroboros in this. How it can suddenly, magically revive corpses. Mm. I just yeah. think, given what we know about the virus from Resident Evil 5, it just didn't seem like a natural progression. It just comes across as far too convenient. Mm. That's a lot of the stuff in, in a nutshell, really. Things happen are quite conveniently placed. I'm just trying to think, you said that Alex was an adapter for the Ouroboros, but was she? When she injected it with herself at the end. Well, she kept a, a form, didn't she? She was already mutated because of T4 boss, but the Ouroboros virus certainly never consumed her. I'm just trying to think of the, the end. No, no, I suppose it didn't quite consume her, but it, it was a more violent reaction, a bigger reaction to Albert's. Albert retained a lot of his humanity. Yeah, but you, you could argue that could be down at T4 boss. Yes, yes. It's also interesting because of her reaction and the other bad ending as well. Yeah, I suppose if we didn't have a traditional... Ouroboros reaction then, did we? Because we had Niels, which was very much up in the air as to whether he was a partial adapter randomly or had T-Phobos, which was limiting the reaction. Same with Alex. And then the only other Ouroboros BOWs, were, as you said, were very different to what we'd seen before, with the kind of corpses being revived. Mm. But to me, they were quite similar to the uh, to the things from um, the T-Abyss. They had that kind of uh, you know, they've got the, certainly that kind of palette in terms of colour. Um, you, you shoot them until... I found, I did find them quite difficult, but it was only right towards the end I realised that I could shoot one part, there one was... shot, and then the weak spot would come out. I was like, oh shit, if I'd known that at the beginning. I thought they were very, very creepy. They were very effective in the woods at the start, but the problem was mm. that they were just overused. Mm. You know, yeah. and having them in, like... like, the bright sunshine in the mines at the end, they just, they just weren't scary anymore. Yeah, that funny one was quite good. The one... It was almost like a big giant claw that chased you around. He was the tough boss. He kept cropping up uh, every, about three or four times throughout the game. Throughout Barry's, I can't remember. I don't know the names of these things. It's almost a one-hit KO if you got too close to him. Yeah, it, he can do. Yeah, it's like the reoccurring. Mm. He is a bitch. He is a bitch. But yeah, so I, I, I suppose the argument is because in RE5 all the Uroboros creatures were live test subjects. That's why they reacted. So violently, uh, I'm looking at you, Excella, in particular. Whereas in Revelations 2, we're just looking purely at dead corpses being reanimated. How much that makes a difference? That affects me less, perhaps, than why some T-Phobos are more stronger than the others. You came all this way just to say goodbye? Oh, I'm touched. It's already done. I've conquered fear and earned the right to become a god. Come out from behind that glass so I can choke a god. All that remains is one final test. One last threshold to cross. Is she even listening to us? My brother's escape was death. And soon, it will be mine as well.
I will share in his fate, and then I will surpass him. What are you trying to do? Escape. But going back to the immortality thing, she does mention that she's had a few successes, isn't she? As in she's transferred some vessels previously. Probably not human vessels, but she was under the belief that her plan could work anyway. And that for some strange convenient plot device reason it would take six months for the transfer to stabilise. But that she was absolutely convinced she would shoot herself and then wake up in Natalia's body as the same person. But yes. like Sean said, all it did was create a copy. So when did that process begin? Do you think when she did... When did the transfer take place? Well, another interesting character we've not mentioned who I think is quite interesting is this guy called Stuart, who was like her uh, subordinate and who was writing all the reports on Claire and Moira because he was obviously monitoring the experiment. Mm. They obviously choose Natalia because Neil snatches her at the end of episode two. Yep. And then at the start of episode three, Alex tries to kill Claire and Moira, doesn't she? Because she's like, oh, I don't need you anymore. And that's because she's found they've already got Natalia in place. Yeah. I just wonder if there was a bit, because when she grabs her as well, I got the impression that that transfer happened when she's probably being squeezed by Alex. I I wondered if that was the moment that her consciousness transferred over. Hmm. But um, I don't know. I don't know. That's just something that I I kind of picked up on. I think the director talks about that moment in in that interview I linked. Ah, right. I think it's just about the awareness rather than the actual event. It's more about um, the original Alex's. When Alex is choking Natalia, who is near death for a split second, Alex existing deep within her consciousness awakens. Yes, yeah, and then she runs off. And then she goes a bit insane after that, going, you know, false and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you think after, I think when you return back to the game, I think that's when, oh, Barry's been knocked down the cliff, isn't he? You think, oh, that girl's not right. Hmm. You think she's a, she's a bit weird and she's a bit she's not quite her happy self as she was. going to bring this into the mix just for shits and giggles uh resident evil 4d executor i can't help but feel they use some of those ideas in this game <laughs> do you not think chaps no not at not at all no they won't, they won't even know what 4d executor is just remind everyone what, what exactly you were talking about i will i will so in 4d executor we've got dr cameron a kind of rogue uh scientist in raccoon city who was using the t-virus to transfer herself 
into different vessels, should we say? And and that that was a dog, a crow, a Klaus, and it, Klaus. It... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, by the end, I thought, well, this is just for the excuse for a new generation. That is more plausible, though. Yeah, she sort of absorbs into them like the thing did. Because, yeah, because in 4D Excuses she transfers herself essentially through organic matter and the virus, whereas this one we have, you know, it is essentially a computer download, somehow. It was the impression I got, so... Who, who am I to say these things? This is the biggest problem for me with Revelations 2, and I think we've actually got one of those rare moments in the Biohazard games, where the actual game is, is probably better than much of the story that's in it, whereas usually you play these games for the story. In, yes. in many ways. Yes. Whereas this one, it's actually the story just sort of trips over itself a little bit. The characters are good, and, and like we said already tonight, the, the characters with the arcs really serve the story well, but there's, there's just so many, so many issues with the story, whether it's that, you know, the, the fear system, it probably would have legs if the director even knew what the fucking hell, you know, how it works. And that's the problem I have with it, is the inconsistencies between what the fans think, what the directors think, what, you know, and the contradictions within their own game. Mm. You know, the mind transference thing is, is nonsense. No matter how you, you know, you know, oh god, just, just someone take the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I was just disappointed we didn't get any more information on the Wesker program itself. Because we got a lot of repeated information, you know, files about how Alex says Spencer's failed and was a bitter old man, and we've heard all that stuff before. I would have liked more detail of, you know, how the program worked and its origins and things like that. And I think that was a bit of a missed opportunity, to quote George Trevor. And how about a bit of information on the real Wesker? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Or just or just more information in general, like the the secret files being a little bit more explanatory <laughs> than than what they were. I was just laughing what about what Bat said on the last podcast because I haven't read all the secret files and I was looking forward to them. There was, there was something about just Barry telling Chris not to go to the gym or something. Yeah, you know, I mean, you'll get fans who'll like that sort of thing because it humanises the characters. But I'd much prefer a detailed backstory on what Alex has yeah. been doing. You know, surely that's more relevant. Don't go to the gym, Chris. They don't have boulders. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> There's other problems with the story as well. I mean, you know, we haven't really touched on the, the six-month thing mm. between Claire and um, and Barry, but, I mean, it just doesn't work. No matter how many ways you try and paint it, it, it just doesn't work. Well, because why does Barry go on his own? Why why doesn't he take a fucking battalion yeah. with him? Yeah, that's you know, amazing. Why didn't they go sooner? Why didn't Chris go with him? Well, yeah. I mean, in terms of sooner, wasn't wasn't there a question mark as to the actual location of the island? Or but there's no information how he suddenly finds out, is there? I just kind of thought it effectively took him six months to you know to sort of get everything together and manage to locate it. But, but you're absolutely right in terms of the numbers that actually turn up. Yeah, the thing is, they could have they could have just done something really easy with it. Whereby, like, I mean, the fact that Claire jumps from somewhere that high up and she must be found near the island, surely. She can't drift yes. out to sea for fucking days, can she? But why not just have something like a mechanic within the story where, like, Claire is in a coma and wakes up six months later and then is able to sort of say, this is what's happened. And then Barry doesn't wait for backup, just jumps in a boat and takes off. That one makes a lot more sense. Because the BSAA sitting on this information seems kind of weird, like, it's this massive bioterrorism threat, like... You're not going to ignore that. Like, there's an island with stuff on it. You want to know what's going on. Like, even if they're going to firebomb it, they'd need to do it straight away, not like six months later. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. And, and it would have been quite cool if Barry had arrived. 
and had a radio message going, Barry, you've got 24 hours before we firebomb this place. You, you know, your daughter's dead. Get over it, man. And he's like, no, I've got to find her. I've got to find some information. Well, I mean, it could be almost be an easier, more straightforward in terms of the character that we knew as Barry before, that, that he wasn't a member now suddenly, miraculously become yet a, another member of the BSSA. And he was effectively, uh, you know, motivated, obviously, because his daughter was in trouble. But And, and he didn't have the, the resources of a battalion behind him. And it was effectively just a one lone father's mission to try and rescue his daughter. They, they didn't quit, basically, because they weren't responding to it. Essentially, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah, that as well. Yeah. Uh, and then they wouldn't have had to have suddenly had this kind of almost force that he's suddenly a member of BSSA, and, and, and why is he turning up, on, you know, on his own? Did you read the director's explanation though? It just makes no sense. I did. Remind me. There's a BSAA base near the island where the signal was received, which was then analysed at BSAA HQ. That being said, the BSAA wasn't forthcoming with this information. Barry, who was already tracking down his daughter on his own, had to use forceful means in order to obtain information on the island and then went in alone to find her. Which is why I said it doesn't make any sense why would the organisation sit on this information when it's a potential bioterrorism threat in the making. They they don't know what's going on. They wouldn't just let an island potentially grow with monsters and (laughs) get get into the water. They would just firebomb it surely they would just like blanket bomb the entire island and sterilize it because surely that would also imply that the bsaa knew that claire was on the island and chris being a level 10 employee uh, original 11 member would surely know that so oh yeah it's, mm. it's just more holes more holes oh dear I said that the kind of epilogue was quite nice, and I, I, I like the kind of newspaper articles with tall oaks, and it kind of brought it all full circle as to where we are on the timeline, if there were any lingering doubts as to where we were. And again, it made me feel sorry for Piers, you know, when she says over the phone, "Oh, tell Piers look after Chris." You're like, "Yeah, Piers, you'd have been cool." I think I think it's tragic for Chris, though, don't you? I mean, every time one of his sort of family members or close team partners, he goes to heaven and earth to find them. You know, he did with Jill, he did with Claire and Cove Veronica, and yet when he's gone fucking missing and he needs some help, <laughs> Claire's just jollying around going to Barry's for tea. Fucking <laughs> 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 hell. I just wonder if it's kind of brought a bit of a closure to this era. I wonder if we're going to ever get any more games up to 2000 and whatever year Resident Evil 6 gets set. Well, there's no need for any more, is there? The only dangling plot thread we've got left now is Ada. Yeah. But that could be arguably resolved in Resident Evil 7. Yeah, of course, yeah. There's no need to do any more prequely stuff now. Unless there's fan requests to do explanation about Rebecca Chambers or Billy from Zero. If Zero did well. If the HD version of Zero did well and they wanted to type that story, then they could potentially do one more story in that kind of time frame. Revelation 3 with Rebecca and then tie up Ada and Seven. Job done. I'm sure there's uh, there's at least one or two months left in the early 2000s for them to some kind of squeeze of bioterrorism <laughs> in there for, for Ark Thompson. <laughs> oh. No, don't. Oh, you've upset him. I'm almost about giving I've given up hope. Uh, Revelations <laughs> 2. Uh, they did that fucking tease, didn't they? But Thompson it, on the name list. Sad. Wouldn't it have been sad if that was Ark Thompson and he's just his whole cameo but his whole role in Survivor was due to the fact that he just died randomly. On the list, we never even saw it. I know, but you'd mourn his character, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's true, you would. You're better than that. <laughs> you saved two children. He could have had uh, Ark's mother turning up to the island after six months <laughs> look, looking for him. I mean, Vincent's mother. Yeah, Vincent's yeah. mother. Oh, yeah, it doesn't work, does it? Forget it. <laughs> Bollocks. Oh, oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> 
I mean, that's the other part of, I guess, the only other way they could go is they'll have another story with Barry that is another prequel just because because they were like, oh, well, everyone responded so well to this version and we're not going to make a sequel version to explain what he was doing for several years with the BSA or something stupid, which doesn't have any purpose whatsoever. What's it going to add? I just like the idea he's just in an advisory role. Yeah, he doesn't need any more than that, really. Whereas Rebecca, I think, she could do with something. There's a massive gap between, well, 1998 and 2000. They could just do with something, like whether it's a third archives book or whatever, but they could just do with just tying up the characters that haven't appeared again, even if it's just like a page of, you know, of writing. Oh, you you mean like the number three epilogue? files as well yeah just like you know let's find out what has happened to carlos well you know did he just simply choose to just not participate in any of the events after three you know you know just just give the fans just a little bit of closure for these characters otherwise every fucking game reveal we get (laughs) you know it's it's, a cycle again yeah yeah it's it's a veiled character sheen and shadow it's carlos (laughs) you know i just think it's like you know, a lot of the games like Dead Aim and stuff, it's like all new characters and how people kind of bemoaned the fact that we had completely new characters. But I'm ready for completely new characters unrelated to being a Wesker or a Bone or a Redfield or a Kennedy. Like Jake should have been, but even then they had to... Yeah. If I felt these are characters that they were going to stay with and that they were going to develop throughout the series, then I would be very happy with new characters, absolutely. But yeah, I suppose the history suggests they're not. I mean, I suppose you would say Helena and Piers were the ones that haven't had any previous connections. Yep, yep. Helena should have been Angela from Bloody yeah. Degeneration, and Piers dies, so... But yeah, why wasn't Helena? Yeah, they look similar. I still think you've got a bit of scope for Leon, because he obviously needs to resolve his relationship with Ada. But I don't think there's any need to see anyone else again. No. I'd like to see mentions, obviously, and references, but there's I, no... I could, I could probably see Sherry in her new role again. Yeah, Sherry. Cause she's sort of like your next generation character, but yeah. there's no need for Jill, Claire, or Chris no. to come back. And it then didn't... in bloody Revelations 2, they hint that Jill's getting back ready to doing like combat missions again, isn't she? Mm. Yeah, the big fan base for Jill, that's... Um, Okay, so we've covered quite a lot. Is there anything else anyone wanted to raise in terms of big areas that we haven't spoken about? Well, I know we touched on this in the last podcast, but I think the environments... I love the fact that you can walk around the island and see the coastline and stuff. Mm. I thought it was a really good environment, the fishing village. The bit where you're going around getting the helicopter parts, it's just so atmospheric. And like Sean said, when you're walking through the town in the rain... It doesn't yeah. get much better than that. And the sequence at the end of Barry's chapter two where you go in the tower and you see the scrawling on the walls and you get a couple of story files and you see the creepy dolls and the candle and then the ultimate <sighs> reveal of the portrait. Yeah. That sort of two minutes was perfect Resident yes. Evil. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, it was. I think Environment's been the best for a long time. Yeah. And I would say even probably further back than five, you know, mm. even before then. I mean, it I, was it was like, I think you said this in a previous one, John, it was like we were given a playable area of that dead aim cutscene where um, yes. oh, yeah. Bruce arrives yeah. on the island and he's sort of running around the surface for a little bit. And then you never get to actually building. play that area. Yeah, no. it was like a playable version of that. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, what we all said right at the beginning uh, with regard to the... Uh, step in the right direction in terms of the you know the kind of playable areas that it wasn't a hub area it was still actually quite linear if you look at it but there was some deviation you could make 
there was optional puzzles. There was a bit of exploration, and it didn't feel as linear. Did as... you do the gravestone puzzle? No, no, I didn't know anything about it until I listened to your podcast. Oh, and the seems... reward, though, you, you don't really get much of a reward for that, though, do you? My reward was just having a puzzle to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you know what I mean? It, it, you know, like the prison, for example, it, a lot of it was quite linear at the beginning, and I don't like the Revelation uh, Revelation 1 boards, what are they? Shutters, which are used for plot points to move you forward so you can't get back. Bottlenecking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like the return of that, but you had that main hub central area uh, that you could explore which is good well, what I really really like was the fact that that for the first time I think since Resident Evil 3 or you know Dead Aim that, that era but certainly you, you, this it had gone in Resident Evil 4 was the fact that you find a puzzle item and it's not necessarily immediately usable you know it, it, you have to use it maybe at some point in the future and at, at a totally different part of the map Yes. Whereas you know, whereas before you know, with Resident Evil Four and on since, all you've had is you know, you find a key almost right in front of the door that you need to put it into. Yeah. Got that yeah, statue yeah. puzzle with the room. That's yes. Like puzzle. My God, it took yeah. me ages <laughs> to work out what the hell I was supposed to do with this. You know, every time you took the eye out, the wall comes down. I was like, shit, I'm gonna be crushed. See, I think that's a perfectly acceptable level of kind of cerebral challenge. You know, for for, for say modern day gamers. No, because yeah. you know, I'm not looking for like the water treatment puzzle. You know, from Resident Evil Three, or you know, I'm not. You know, we're not looking for that stuff, which literally, you know, you, I couldn't solve without look, you know looking it up on the internet. And and there was the other one when you have you have to make the um. I went with Carlos. You have to make the vaccine. Obsidian and crystal puzzle. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, the clock one, the clock yeah. painting thing. So maybe not quite like that, but yeah, I think you, what, that one Nick mentions, what well, that was just perfect. It's so simple, wasn't it? Just let it crush, get you know, get, get the statue crushed, and you've got what you want. I was like, oh, what's so simple? But I was spending ages yeah, looking too. around trying to find a, a fake eye. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, where is it? Um, it's good. I will say as well, I think the the pacing was quite masterful in places. In that you, it was like the first time. I mean, you can see, compare it to Resident Evil Six. You actually go to areas in this game where nothing happens. Yes. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Yeah. You know, it just lets the atmosphere wash over you. And like even like the fishing village, if that was a Resident Evil 4, 5 or 6 set piece, there would just be endless waves of enemies yeah. coming at you while you have to try and drill the walls down or whatever. And, you know, you'd just be fending off hordes of enemies, whereas yeah. you just have the occasional one in an alcove that yeah. jumps out. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, that. Like... Yeah. The bit where you find Edward's body, you're just sort of wandering through the woods and there's nothing going on. It's mm. You can just take in the environments and enjoy it. The fact that you don't have uh, enemies that drop ammunition. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Thank God. And, and these things, I didn't think Capcom would have the balls or, or, or the guts to do, and they have done. I'm, I'm just, that alone, I'm just delighted with that they that they did. I mean, it's still not quite perfect because they do tailor the um, like the crates and that. Yeah. Um, contents of them change depending on how low on ammo you're doing and, and stuff like that. I thought um, it, w- it was quite interesting how Barry turns up to the island with loads of heavy weaponry. Because I've always wanted to see a game where you start off maybe as some kind of soldier and you're armed to the teeth with like a rifle, a shotgun, a pistol and loads of ammo. But then there's mm. next to no ammo in the game, so it all depends yeah. on how you manage your ammo and how basically alters the difficulty level mm. of the game if you're trigger happy in the first hour or you preserve it for when the game gets harder. Yeah. Did, I did struggle with ammunition because I was I was hoarding too many bandages and things like that. Did, yeah. I, was about to, I was about to say, did anyone actually use the bandages? No, they, they, yeah, they did seem a little bit unnecessary. I like the melee stuff. 
with the, the firebomb. The skill set of stuff is rubbish. I mean, the fact that you, you need to unlock the ability for an AI character oh, to defend yeah, themselves is just so okay. stupid. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't do any of that. I, I like the one-hit kill with the knife, though. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? You just sort of kick them over and stab them in the back and they're dead. Yeah, oh, the, 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 oh, the stealth kill. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was nice. I like that. Yeah. It's taken straight from The Last of Us, though. There's plenty of hidden weapons in this game. Like, Has anyone noticed the guy that's hanging in the mines? High, yes. up, high up on the rope. Yeah, I've got him, yeah. I didn't clock him oh, at all in the first several playthroughs. Oh, what does he I don't have? think I know. I don't think he, I got that. You shoot him down and he's got a sniper rifle or something, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 Two snipers. I, I can't forget. Two snipers, two magnums. Is there a grenade launcher in the game at all? I never never had one of them. There is, actually. No. Because they also hide that guy on the bridge puzzle thing as well. You have to move the um, platforms to the right thing to be able to get across to him with a weapon. Oh, yeah. I, did anyone find it too frustrating to enjoy? But, I mean, I liked the invisible enemy and the fact that it, it, when you're getting the direction maybe slightly wrong and Natalia is, is pointing and you know it's a one-hit kill on, on, on you. To me, it, it provided quite a few uh, episodes of real real tension. Yeah, I thought it was masterful. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Especially in closed spaces, it was a lot, lot more difficult. Didn't really work in Claire's scenario, though, when you had no one to yeah. warn you that they were there. The boxes, yeah, the boxes that are in there. Would everyone say best co-op AI that they've had since you know yeah. in this game? No, I would have Sh- Sheva back in a heartbeat actually. Okay. Um, it wasn't too bad for the slow areas, but like when when you bottlenecked in like the prison at the beginning, oh my fucking god, just trying to get Moira to stay on the door while you mm-hmm. have to defend her as Claire, and every <laughs> time she got hit, she'd be interrupted, so you had to swap back to Moira to start the process again and then you'd swap back as the character runs into the fucking blades and oh yeah that's, that's what I was about to say I got the blade thing like three yeah, or four yeah, times yeah. I do wish that they had the, the the kind of command structure of Resident Evil 4 which worked a lot better wait come here that, that seemed to work a lot mm. better in Resident Evil 4 than it, I, I, I had to like get out the manual to find out how to say to Moira stay there or something and then they never did you know the Seems- bit room contextual depending on whether or not there's a puzzle or something. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. It was the bit with the stupid cranes towards the end and you had to keep climbing up and catch the little... One of them had to push the crane you go across and all that crap. And I, I, I found what... that slightly annoying. That, that I think that was the only kind of sort of puzzle that kind of type areas that... It took that... me ages. Yeah. yeah it, took me, it took me... I had to, I had to look at at least one, one section on YouTube to, to sort the end bit out. You get a, a medal for doing that in three yeah, moves. Yeah, three moves. It's, it's pretty easy. Three moves? You know. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to do it in three moves. Once you know oh. what to do. Bloody hell. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, I think, though, I think the general synopsis is step in the right direction, keep it up, Capcom. Yes. Definitely. They've remembered they can do it. Yes. <laughs> like Sean said, it really is, it's been a year of healing and it, and it really feels quite good, actually. All it needed for me was just a tighter story and a director who actually is invested in the story enough to actually give a shit as to whether it's plausible. Yeah. Yeah. My, my other concern is that maybe some of the, the restrictions are based on the download and the budget and that if this is done so well that they up the budget and then they're not not so selective on the restriction. I mean, that's part of well, the six. That's the thing, because I, I would love to know, you know, the comparison between the budget for this game and the budget mm. for RE6. Oh, massive. I mean, yeah. I don't know the details, but Resident Evil 6 was like Capcom's most expensive game, I think. And which I mean, one would you just... rather have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, we've got a couple of call-ins as well. I thought that before we listen to those call-ins, if we can just do final thoughts and favourite moment in particular. Uh, we'll start with Star's Tyrant. Um, and a mark out of ten as well. We do it all in one big lump. 
it would just be the moments where we get to walk around the island. So I'll, I'll, I'll pick two moments. Uh, the, the fishing village is Claire and uh, the Range Rent streets is Barry. They're the, the two bits that sort of stick in my mind the most. So it's mainly the environment. And I'm going to give it a solid eight. A solid because, eight. Because I think I am really positive about it. The only bits I don't like are just some of the stupid turns in the story. So I'm going to leave another two points off the table to show Capcom there's still room to go yet. <laughs> uh, Rombi? Uh, I'm kind of with Sean on the, on, on the continents, but pretty much that whole second episode was probably like a, it was a, a massive like thing like I, I remember saying this in the previous podcast about it, but it was like the the idea that um the first episode if you were trying to get someone in who hasn't seen the series before it, it didn't show the best of the game i think and the second episode definitely didn't it's a shame plot wise it couldn't work that that second episode was the first but if there was such a solid Solid chapter that I, I was. It was definitely the best part of the game for me. I think, but I'm not as high on the score. I'm thinking I'm going to give it a six because I still have many issues with it. I think it's a step in the right direction, but not the best game either. Uh, George Trevor. Yeah, kind of mirror what, what Sean and, and Rumpy have said. I saw my head feels it's kind of worth a, a seven, but I'm, my heart's going to go with an eight out of ten just because they did get so much right with this game and but particularly a few little things that i never thought capcom would would ever go back to uh, enemies that don't drop ammunition um you know a, a semblance of or puzzles are the way you have to think and, and and travel around a bit and favorite moment it feels good that there are a few and i have to have to think about them you know i enjoy i really enjoyed that area the kind of the deserted warehouse feel we're with the russian um you know radio in in the background approaching alex's alex's lair with, with barry and Natalia at the end, and with you know with the dolls, and it's all a bit Lisa Trevor-esque. That mm. that was yeah, that was brilliant. Wasn't that Russian radio damnation? The bit in the uh, uh, the bit in the restaurant is yeah, because it mentions yeah. Svetlana. Oh, oh, well done. I didn't know. Oh. And uh, Batman. Yeah, pretty similar to Rombi. I was impressed with episode two. The the fishing village is very atmospheric, and just like I said before, the bit where you go in the tower at the end with Barry and the atmosphere and the sound and the first reveal of the Weskers with that picture is just brilliant and it's just a shame it was ruined for everybody but with leaks yeah yeah no well Capcom did it themselves in that bloody art book because that's two things that could have been really powerful now we had the Carla Radomir thing in 6 which was spoiled and now this was also spoiled yeah, I'd love to have seen the internet go absolutely fucking dessert after the episode (laughs) 2 out of 10 but um there's nothing really I can say that hasn't already been said. Uh, it's a step in the right direction, but yeah, there's still plenty of things wrong with it, so I'm just going to say 7 out of 10. Yeah, I would uh, I'd agree. Um, I think when... I, I'm going to give it a 7 as well. I think I gave Resident Evil 0 a 7 many years ago, and I think, so quote me on that, I think it's a different type of 7. I think, <laughs> if that's hard to explain. Whereas Resident Evil 0, for me, was always um, a disappointing 7, in that yeah. the series was kind of going downhill. I felt. Yeah. I know people will disagree. I felt this is this is a positive seven. It's a good seven, a seven plus, if there is such a thing. Because as you said, we we are getting there, and for the first time in a long time, I felt I was playing a Resident Evil game, mm. and that hasn't happened for a very long time. And my favourite moment, without a shadow of doubt, was the encounter with the first zombie. For me, I, I was playing it with a wife, just while she was watching me play, and she was, she wasn't paying much attention. And honestly, you have, yourself, you have to get yourself a different wife then. I know, I know, I know. That first jump, because you do, it's a long time before you see anything. You know something's coming, 
and I, I had I had like all my, my stereo on, and so I had a proper atmospheric, and it properly made me jump. <laughs> and my heart was going for about a good two minutes afterwards. I was like, yes, yes, this is it. This this is good stuff. And it just set me up for the rest of the game. And it continued throughout. We had the atmosphere. We had more jump moments. Brilliant. So a positive seven from me. So keep it up, Capcom. I was just going to ask if everyone thinks that their scores are reflective of the fact that we feel like this is only just because this is a step in the right direction that we've basically been mistreated so badly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. badly yeah, that we yeah. all feel a lot more positive about That's this a, than, yeah. than if it was just another sequel. That's the thing. Go back so, and listen yeah. to our Revelations podcast. We all loved it's, it at the time. Yeah, it's interesting because if if we'd done this podcast about a week after four had come out, I'd have probably given it a nine because I was still riding the wave of being really really mega happy at how surprised I was with it but now like I say two months has passed sort of look through it with more realistic eyes now <laughs> it's all died down and mm. yeah it's not really, not quite as good as I thought but it wasn't I was still in happy mood but I still enjoy it a lot it'd be interesting yeah. to see how we our opinions in a year's time yeah, yeah. Claire open your eyes Claire wake up Claire what happened to Moira? Was Moira with you? Mary. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. She's... I tried to save her. I should have... Anyway, we, we have a few call-ins. Um, the first one has come in from Vito. I'm curious about this because I got a, I've had five messages from Vito like this over the years, but I got recently I got a message from him saying, that's it, I've had enough of Capcom shit. I'm not following the series anymore. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Revolutions 2. Hmm. Let's start on the negatives. First things first. The presentation on this game is not great. It's not bad, but it sure is disappointing. I cannot believe how many things are recycled in this game. They have recycled animations, recycled sounds, recycled textures, recycled scenarios, recycled this and that. It just, it just brings the game down. Presentation-wise, it's just not good. And yes, I know it's a budget title, but it shouldn't be an excuse to have this poor of a presentation. And I can totally forgive this if it wasn't for the stupid performance that this game has. Oh, at least on the PlayStation 3 version, this game ran like shit. Believe me or not, I counted at least 20 frame drops on one single chapter. Just not enjoyable. This really brings the game down. After beating the game, I immediately sold it. I'm not gonna play this version again. I hope that the PlayStation 4 version at least runs better. It has to run better. I cannot believe it can run like that. has to run better. Another thing that annoyed me a lot were some enemies. 
there's an Ouroboros enemy that has an, uh, what do you call it, an appendage on its stomach that instantly kills you if you get too close. That annoyed me a little bit. But not as much as the stupid invisible bugs that, oh my god. <sighs> I have to switch to Natalia to see where it is. I switch to Barry. I aim, shoot, oh, it moved. I have to change to Natalia again, see where it moved. Switch to Barry, shoot it one time, oh, it moved. Shoot it again. Oh, I missed. Switch to Natalia, etc., etc., etc. Just not fun. I liked the implementation of Natalia and Barry's gameplay with their relevance. That was actually good implementation of this switch from the characters. Lastly, I know every Resident Evil game has localization problems, but this game, ugh, why do they have to implement? callbacks in the dialogue if they don't have any sense. It doesn't have any sense that Claire speaks Steve's line in the game. It doesn't make any sense. It looks way off a completely different Claire from past games. I know that in the Japanese version she's exactly like past games. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Well, at least she redeemed herself a little bit in the end with that helicopter scene. <laughs> Absolutely loved that scene. One of my favorite favorite scenes in the series, especially because of the Barry dialogue. <laughs> I know I'm contradicting myself, but I can forgive those two lines of Barry in that scene. They were really great. Well, now that I'm speaking of the positive things in this game, I'm so glad they brought Barry back. Really, really glad. I know that they made him more like his original self, but still, having Barry back in a game and actually playable it's just blows my mind. And I know many people don't like Moira, myself included, until I play the struggle. Wow. <laughs> One of the best episodes in this game, by far. The character development of Moira in this episode is amazing. It went from not giving a shit about her to actually liking her. It's just amazing. That episode definitely had a The Last of Us vibe to it, which The Last of Us is my favorite game of all time, so it's really appreciated. Little Miss was actually, hmm, speaking about the other episode, it was, story-wise, it was very good. A different take on Resident Evil that no other game has ever done. But gameplay-wise, it was annoying. <laughs> I know many people have spoken about this, but yeah, annoying. Still, it's worth it for the story, definitely. Now, speaking about the main episodes, they were great. Episode 3 was great for Claire, and episode 4 was amazing for Barry. The mansion setting... Oh, the mansion setting was amazing. It surpassed Lost and Nightmares, and it actually almost reached remake status. I definitely enjoyed that part. I wished it was longer. I wish the game had a sh chapter select with each section, so being be able to play each section of each chapter. Because oh my God, that part was amazing. What else? What else? Mm, let's speak about Alex. Let's be clear about something. I don't have an issue of Alex being a woman. 
I have an issue about consistency because we had an official source, which is Archives 2, that said that Alex Wesker was a man. I know that the writer of the book most likely put that information out of his ass, but still it got published, it got accepted by Catacom. To me, it was 100% canon. And for me, especially Alex Wesker being a woman, it's a recon. I'm sorry, news, but that's my opinion. But apart from that, I really enjoy her. Was a really good character. The only issue I have with her is that, well, she died. The real Alex Wesker died. And we now have a copy of her inside Natalia, which is okay, I guess. We now have a recurring antagonist in the making. And I'm really hoping to see what the story goes on from here. We have the family, we have Jake, we have Natalix, <laughs> and I don't know. I hope they can mix all those three things together and give us a great Resident Evil 7. Or 8. I'm not really expecting Natalix to be in 7. The game is enjoyable, it really has flaws, but the story makes up for it. It really did. One last thing. I really hope the minigame... Uh, I forgot the name of the minigame. Rape Mode doesn't get established as a main minigame in the series because I absolutely do not like that Rape Mode. I preferred Mercenaries a lot. I really hope. Maybe we can have both minigames and not on Resident Evil 7. We never know. Uh, I guess that's it. Bye. I don't tend to disagree with a lot of what Vito says, but I think that's probably the one call from all the podcasts I would disagree with the most. There were sections of the environments that were slightly bland, but it, it's unfair to you know compare with other titles that are simply weren't budget. I think with what they had to work with, I think they worked very well. I, I didn't agree as well with what Vito said about the invisible enemy. Um, I'm quite a lazy gamer, and I, I and I didn't find it frustrating. I found it it was it was a good challenge, and I thought it worked well with the atmosphere of the game the glasps were good because there weren't too many of them mm. yeah if they'd oversaturated mm. the levels they would have been very annoying mm. but he was right about the amount of repeated textures and animations I mean we talked about that at the time yeah. I mean, we knew that the animations had been pulled from like Lost Planet and all that sort of stuff like. I wouldn't know that I don't play Lost Planet so I, it, something like that would uh, only pick up by if, if you're a proper gamer and know all that. Yeah, what, what did they take from Lost? I don't know Lost Planet. What did they take? Uh, a lot of the character-based animations, especially the stuff in raid mode, uh, taken wholesale from the most recent Lost Planet game. I like the fact that they decided that she was a female. That's great. I love that. It's a good good choice. But it just seemed like a bit of a, a waste, really. I, she was squandered. They should have kept her on as a ongoing thing rather than just a throwaway villain. Really, I was a little disappointed by that. Thank you, Vito, very much uh, for that calling. Always appreciate your views. We've just touched on some of the comments you've made. Uh, the second calling comes from Yoke. Let's take a listen. Morning, y'all. Yoke here. Now, before I begin, I have not looked up a whole lot on Revelation 2, so I am sorry if I do get a few things wrong, but please correct me if I do. Alright, I'd had a pretty negative view of this game going in. I already knew a couple spoilers that really didn't sit well with me, and uh, some of the gameplay footage I th- saw didn't I didn't like at all. Honestly, I really tried to like this game, but after beating it, I, I don't like this game at all. I, I'm sorry. Uh, and... In the process of making this call and I realized I had about seven minutes of me just straight up bitching about the game, and I don't want to do that. That's, that's no fun. Uh, instead, I'll simply give you guys my number one most favorite, 
and my most hated thing from this game. My view on Revelation 2's impact on the series will be saved for the end. Okay, so what majorly pissed me off? Well, the constant load times and frame rate problems. Oh my god, I, I really did not want to finish this damn game. It was that bad for me, and, and usually I don't care about that sort of things, but it was just every time I would do something, it just load or something just fine. Now, I bought a, the physical copy on the Xbox 360, so I don't know if this is a problem on any other platforms. Just by going off the topics on Capcom Unity, it seems like I just picked the wrong fucking version. What makes this even worse is you can't even install the game. All enough two versions of the game appears in the My Games section for some reason. Hope this is just a weird glitch and Capcom can fix it. So what made me happy? Having areas that feel like they connect again. One of the things I hate about the main games now is how the chapters don't seem to fit too well, especially when you add an underground civilization or what the hell ever. I absolutely loved in Revelations 2 seeing the tower in the background and reading about the mind and lab even way before going there. I really hope Revelation 3 has more of this. Okay, moving on. Uh, now for my view on Revelations 2's impact on the series. Uh, Game-wise, I definitely see the episodic format being a standard for the Revelation series. I'm not sure if they would risk doing that for Resident Evil 7, but with the arcade feel the series, ha series has now, I think it would work better this way. Um, Story-wise, sorry in advance, I'm reading off my notes here. Uh, I think we'll see, we'll definitely see Alex and Jake interact in some way or another. I just hope it's not awkward because I've read a few really fucked up ideas that may happen. Uh, that's pretty much the main one. Uh, everything else I had wrote down is just things that confused me. Maybe you guys can help. Uh, see, the whole deal with Mora, Claire, and I, I guess Natalia right now, because I don't understand how they can just run around like they are right now, because I'm assuming Claire and Moria are superhuman, and I would think they would be doing tests on everyone, and I would think a certain government would want to have them under their care, like Sherry and Manuela. Uh, let's see, uh, the Foley family. Uh, it seems like they're going to be in every Revelations game. I, I hope there's actually a purpose to them, and they're not just... Capcom's attempt at uh, mimicking the Carmines from the Gears of War series and um, Tricell I don't want them to come back as Neo Tricell but I, I want them to come back because it's weird to have that ending for Revelations 1 and that little passing line at the beginning of Revelations 2 and as for Alex's future plans I guess she wants to be God and make the world totally Kafka-esque I really have no idea what she wants to do. I I would think she would have the same goals as Albert and Spencer, but unless it's a translation error, she calls Ouroboros an abomination. Uh, why? Isn't that pretty much the virus she would make anyway? What's so bad about it? Did she see Neil's mutation and go, well, fuck that, I ain't using it. <laughs> well, that's pretty much it for me, uh... I hope this was of some use to you guys. Take care.
Well, thank you, Yoke. Thank you, Yoke. A slightly negative look at Revelations 2, where we've been all fairly positive. But uh... yeah, It's interesting because I think Yoke, from what I remember, he kind of likes the survival horror and the older games and, and remakes. So I, I was expecting him to have a few positive things to say about yeah. it. Not a fan of the episodic. He I make, agree with that. He makes an interesting point how the first Revelations ends on a sort of semi-cliffhanger that Tricell might come back. And yet the opening line of Revelations 2, yeah, Tricell are dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've heard that before, Resident Evil 4. Mm. Yeah. God, buddy, up the intro. Right, well, thank you all very much for your calling. It's always welcome. Uh, we'll keep everyone up to date with uh, any other podcasts that we're going to do. But with that in mind, we can now move on to our finale, which is this podcast edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Your questions... And new challenges. Each broadcast, a new quiz to test the resolve. Neptune's Biohazard Quiz! So don't expect anything on the grand level of episode of Biohazard Stars. We plan to have them periodically when we're a bit of a uh, a lull in Resident Evil news. So hopefully we'll be having the second edition of Biohazard Stars uh, next time, uh, which uh, Mr. Spencer has said he wants to coast, I believe. Yes. Oh, that's, and, uh, that's only because he, yeah, that's only because he wants to jump ship, and he, do, he doesn't want to be on my side again after my terrible performance. Well, no, I mean, to be fair, I didn't give you a chance to... Uh, Put in your own answers, and you, got, you you would have got a couple of them right if I hadn't just been talking over. You. So th- th- this week's quiz is is very much back to the old structure. We've got five questions. Um, they all come courtesy of your friend and mine, the selfish Gene. So a fellow oceanic resident for you, Rombie. Yes, well, <laughs> yes. not currently, but yes. So um, I've looked at these questions. He, he sent them quite a while ago. Four of them, I think everyone should get four. Question five, the bummer. This will really test your knowledge. So if everyone wants to clear their desktops, you can open a notepad. Question number one. What is the name of the G-virus vaccine that Claire can synthesise in Biohazard 2? I was just talking about the puzzle before. Question number two. What rank did Billy Cohen achieve in the US Marine Corps? This building up to something (laughs) horrible. Question three. What is the name of the serum that Chris and Sheva used to subdue Wesker in Resident Evil 5? We were talking about it earlier. Oh, yeah. So oh, that needs to be exact. Question number four. What is the name of the hand that Jill can craft by combining handgun parts A and handgun parts B in Resident Evil 3 Nemesis? Tits. <laughs> Don't know that one. It's the purple one, I believe. <laughs> Someone's just typing the purple one in I, I know, it's so obvious. It's probably me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least make it subtle, Jeff. 
It's all of God. Finally, question number five. Listen very carefully. Right. What is the name of the music band which stayed at the Apple Inn and were to play in a concert in Raccoon City before the T-virus outbreak caused the show to be cancelled? Oh, oh that one. I know that one. I know that one. Well, let's see if you guys uh, join us after this when we'll run through the answers. So, this is the most confident I think I've got the most I've ever had in a So quiz. question number one was what is the name of the G-Virus vaccine that Claire can synthesise in Biohazard 2? George Trevor, did you put? I think this is the first relatively decent answer I've ever got. Is it demon? It's the demon vaccine. I have okay. the answer oh, well, here. Mr Spencer? You were sort of right, Paul. You were in the right ballpark. Uh, devil. Oh, oh for devil. fuck. Yeah, Boy, it's caps. Devil. Star's Tyrant. Oh, shit. Oh, devil. Uh, Rombie? Oh... Yeah, I've got Devil as well. Um, Batman. Devil. Uh, the answer is, of course, Devil. So, unlucky there, George Trevor. Question number two. I'm so confident. Well, Question I? number two is, what rank did Billy Cohen achieve in the US Marine Corps, Rombie? Uh, I think it's like Lieutenant or Lieutenant Junior Grade or something like that. I, I can't may, remember. I may have the civics here. I believe he was First Lieutenant. Okay. Uh, Batman. Lieutenant. George Trevor. I have this um, dialogue from from Rebecca right right at the end where she says it's not for lute- it's lute- she just says lieutenant is it f- it's not first lute- no I think lieutenant, lieutenant and she says I've got all I've got lieutenant Billy yep, Cohen points for all that lieutenant is the answer or ex lieutenant if because uh, obviously he was discharged but yes lieutenant well done we'll, so we'll question three out. was what was the name of the serum that Chris and Sherva used to subdue Albert Wesker in Resident Evil Five. I need this exact. Um, we'll start with Mr. Spencer. PG six seven AW. That's all it comes to mind. Sherva's voice. Oh, probably wrong. Impressive. Batman. Yeah, PG six seven AW. It's A slash W. Yeah, PG six seven dash oh, AW. Start. All I've got is PG six seven AW. I know there is a forward slash in there somewhere, but I couldn't remember what. Um, Rombi? Uh, I, I only had the start, which was PG, and the AW at the end. <laughs> I couldn't remember the numbers. What the problem with me is that, like, I'm good at remembering, like, dialogue and stuff. George, what did you put? Well, I, I don't care that I'm not getting a point, because I was so impressed with myself that I knew PG and I knew AW, but I didn't <laughs> know anything else. I knew there was some other shit in there as well, but I'm, I'm so pleased I remembered that. Bit. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, so PG67AW, <laughs> well done, it's A slash W, but yeah, all points. There's a clue in it now because it's like PG's progenitor, 67 is the year, and AW is Albert Wesker. Oh, what a great little way of remembering it there. To, to show you well in life. Yeah, a bit Serve late now. Well right. Question number four was what's the name of the handgun that Jill can create with handgun A parts A and B? Is it your three nemesis? I know this. We'll come to Batman last. Uh, we'll go Mr. Spencer first. Can you remember the name of that? Uh, I just put custom handgun. That's wrong, but I didn't know what it was called. Sorry. George Trevor? Um, I don't normally get guns at all, but um, Resident Evil 3, uh, yeah. Um, it's the Eagle 60. Okay. Uh, Rombi? Yeah, I got that as well. It's the STI Eagle. Okay. And Star Starrant? 
I didn't believe know, it's just called the Eagle 6.0. Yeah. Uh, Batman, what did you put? I didn't have a clue, sorry. It is 6.0 work. So I'll give that to Romby as well, because I think he got... Finally, question number five was an interesting one. So what is the name of the music band that stayed at the Apple Inn and were to play a concert in Raccoon City before the outbreak caused it to be cancelled? Just as an insert, it's revealed in a poster in an alleyway in Resident Evil 3, and there are some special items in Outbreak that refer to this as well. Mr. Spencer, did you know this one? Electric Light Orchestra. (laughs) (laughs) ELO, George Trevor? Um, I've got no idea, but I can tell you that if you... (laughs) But if you look, if you do look at the notice board in the doctor's office in Resident Evil 3 in the hospital, there's a poster for a party they're going to have at Bar Jacks. Oh, Can I get a bonus point? Rumbi? No, no clue. No clue at all. Uh, Star Star. This is, for, this is for this five out of five. Do I get a bonus point if I mention the lead singer no. of Electrolyte Orchestra? <laughs> Jeff Lynn. No, no idea. This one. No, Batman, put us out of our misery. Big E. Correct. How did you know that? Yes. Why, why did I know he was right as soon as he said that? Have you not asked that no. question before? Someone else has mentioned that in a podcast, The Big E. That's, oh, that's come up before. That's got to be some kind of reference to ecstasy, hasn't it? Who knows? I uh, remember the poster in Resident Evil 3. Where is it mentioned in Outbreak? I haven't got, I don't have that information. T- no. <laughs> I didn't think it would. <laughs> no. Oh, wait. Where, where, oh, is it not an Outbreak question? No, no, no. no it's, it's a poster on Resident Evil 3. Oh, that must be why I remember it then. So let's look at the scores we have. Joint winners today. Batman and Star's Tyrant finish on four. Four apiece. Romby and Mr. Spencer on George, only two. What? Well, have have I been on drugs this podcast? Because general (laughs) feeling of euphoria that I've done really well. You're not on drugs. The podcast. What are you not on drugs, Paul? Well, I suppose compared to the last, uh, the the, the Star's um, thing. I, I, I did quite well then. So I, that... I was going to say, I can tell you the uh, Big E has two special items in Outbreak. There's a ring and a mule that are both related to the band. Yeah, I was about to say that. Oh. Well done, thanks. That's <laughs> 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 all right. Bet you to it. So that concludes this week's edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Join us the next podcast and we'll have some more questions. So uh, we are <laughs> bringing a end to our Revelations 2 bread. podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, moving forward, as I said earlier, I think we're probably going to be doing another Biohazard Stars um, kind of mini podcast quiz type thing. Uh, I think it went down quite well. We had at least one person saying it was good, so that's good by our standards. So um... <laughs> Who said it was good? You. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> I will put it out there. If, if you want to host, we're trying to do a guest hosting. So if Vito, for example... Wants to host? Feel free. Like and and Robinson. Mm. I want Newsbot to host it, so I'm putting it out. After watching the, uh, after listening to the last one, I've been part of the last one. I'm uh, certainly more than happy to uh, be the host for the next one. If Fantastic. that's all right, got to do a lot of prep. So, um, in terms of actual um, kind of substantive podcasts, then uh, I'm not quite sure where we're at. So there's no new games on the horizon. E3 is around the corner. Whether we'll have Resident Evil 7 reveal then, we may do. That's only next month, I believe. Resident Evil. Too too soon for Resident Evil Zero HD reveal. Yeah, yeah, we could, yeah, we could, we could reconvene for Zero HD. Who knows? So 
wouldn't mind looking at separate ways if anyone's up for that. Oh, interesting, yes. We've not really given Resident Evil 4 a lot of love on these podcasts, no. have we? No. Separate maybe, ways is definitely the best thing about it. There's a reason for that, though, John. <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe focus on Ada Wong as, 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 as that podcast, maybe past appearances. and. Hey, that's an idea for yeah. podcast ideas. We could do specials, I suppose, on studying the history of uh, char- individual characters. Yeah. So we have like an Ada Wong version, we have an Albert Wesker. Let's do a Jill one, John. <laughs> you could, yeah. As well, we spend some one, it'd be pretty good. I think an Ada one would be really good, actually. Yeah, I'd love to do an Ada one, yeah. yeah. An Ada one for Ada one. Right, fantastic. So we'll bring you more details for that. Nick turned into Adam Not intentionally, I've never watched an episode. So, um... On that note, it is goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, the Batman. Goodbye from me, Stars Tyrant. Goodbye from me, George Trevor. Goodbye from me, Rombie. And it's goodbye from me, Mr. Spencer.